feet. Current wind right now to the southeast at about five miles per hour. Time is 7.22. Big news. I have some important news for you. Interesting news. It's Blake and Darren's Spilling the Tea with Sandy. K-Man's top news headlines of the day from CMR. Sandy, how are you? Good morning. Good morning. Happy Friday. I know. Pretty exciting stuff. So what happened in the press conference yesterday? What did we miss? Okay, so we missed the announcement of the new um, director for um, the port. So the uh, Paul Hurlston was um, announced as a new port director, which, of course, here in CMR, we knew about three weeks ago. Yeah, we did announce that. Yep. Yeah. So they thought that was worthy of a press conference. And then we also got more details and came in ways uh, starting to fly into Los Angeles yeah. uh, in early November. So that was uh, interesting news. That's very exciting. So I, I do have the um, I do have the times, flight times for that and how it's going to work. Yes. So I don't know if you know that, but um, so it's going to leave on a Saturday at uh, 3.45 uh-huh. and then get into Los Angeles around 7 p.m., depending on the time change. Uh-huh. Um, and then it will stay the night, the airplane and the crew, because they can't fly back. Right. Uh, and leave Sunday morning. The flight back leaves at 7 a.m. and then gets back about uh, 4.30 in the afternoon. So it's about a Five five and a half hour flight, uh, yeah. depending on depending on the wind. So that's pretty amazing. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I mean they said that you know the Max Eight has made this uh, particular journey possible. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, everybody's waiting. I mean we're we're all anxious to see exactly what the rates will be and how all that will work. Those details were not yet released because apparently they're still waiting on some final authorization out of the U.S. before they can um, indicate what rate structure will be in place. Yeah. I mean, that's just going to open up a whole, uh, you know, new, uh, all new destinations for for people, not only just coming here, but also us on the island, just going the West Coast and beyond. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, even going to like Australia or uh, over overseas, uh, going from here to Los Angeles and then being able to get on the over- international flights is going to be yeah. it's going to be fantastic. Yeah, I know a lot of the Filipino community is looking forward to that route as well, because mm-hmm. that gives them easier access. To, them sure. on, um, to the Philippines. Yeah. yeah. What else is happening so, on Friday? Cool. Um, we also have yesterday was the chamber, the annual chamber parliamentary luncheon. And so it was well attended, pretty much a full house. And, um, you know, guest speakers included representatives from the DART organization, CUC, um, the minister of um, Andre um, Ebanks, the minister of, oh, I think he's financial services. Uh, he spoke in on behalf of um, the premier who, as you know, is out sick with COVID. So um, nothing surprising necessarily happened. It was a nice luncheon and, um, you know, everybody just looking forward to the future and hopefully not going into a recession and what the Cayman Islands can do to sort of, um, you know, prepare itself uh, for future investors and so on. Yeah. Fantastic. So there's a man that was seriously injured during a burglary. Um, he was hospitalized and um, the police are asking for assistance. It's an aggravated burglary and assault took place in Birch Tree Hill in West Bay around 2.40 in the morning on Thursday morning. So someone broke into his residence with a machete, attacked one of the occupants and then fled the scene. But they just say that the suspect and the occupants are known to each other. 
So it seems wow. like there's some sort of a situation there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, yesterday morning, CBC confirmed. We were discussing this on the morning show over there on Bobo. And they confirmed that a CBC trainee, so that's Customs and Border Control, um, had been suspended after he was arrested on suspicion of rape. And the police also confirmed that the arrest was made on Wednesday, June the 29th. And uh, yeah, investigations continue. Wow, that's sad to hear. Yeah, always. Yeah. Um, so let me just see what else we got. Yeah, we, we had another case, which I wanted to mention yesterday morning, but I know we were a little bit short in time, mm-hmm. of a man who actually went through um, a condo window and assaulted a child as she was sleeping. This is the most bizarre story that I've heard in a while, like locally. But um, the police say that they're investigating a report of an indecent assault after male intruder entered a unit in a, um, at a condo complex north of uh, East Close there in West Bay. He touched a child inappropriately while she was sleeping in a bedroom with her parent. And um, yes, and of course, the child was startled awake during the assault. Uh, which happened at about 2.30 Sunday morning. And he fled from the room out the back door and he, uh, they have a description, very, you know, not the best description in the world, but it says that he has dark skin, black bandana and a small beard. So if anyone knows anyone that fits that description, which could be tons of people really, <laughs> um, you know, keep an eye out to see if, if they say anything. Cause I find like uh, a lot of people talk their own business. Yeah. Uh, so this this is someone that doesn't need to be in the streets. Yeah, that's disgusting. Um, so it was also reported that shortly before that, um, he someone fitting his description entered another unit within the same complex. So hopefully they can lift some fingerprint fingerprints. I don't know if this person hmm. might lives in the area. Yeah, you know, something is off with that whole thing. But yeah, hopefully someone can have, help him get caught. Yeah. It's for this Friday morning. Well, thanks for bringing that stuff to light. Hopefully, we'll get some uh, some rest made in, in uh, some of those cases. So, uh, catch uh, Sandy Hills' show right now on Bobo 89.1 FM, the Friday edition with CMR. And we'll catch you Monday morning for headlines here on KISS. All right? Have a good weekend. Absolutely. You too. Our segment with CMR brought to you exclusively. All right, folks. So, we got lots going on here uh, this morning. Let me go ahead and do a little bit of housekeeping before we hit that live button over on Bobo. Speaking of which, let me click on the link here before I totally forget. Um, But yes, good morning to one and good morning to all. Getting ready here shortly. All right, beautiful Friday morning, good people. Beautiful Friday morning. Sorrel, ginger, beaver grass, or English. Get it ready. Your morning tea just got hotter. Ooh, honey child. On the cold hard truth.
Bobo 89.1 and Cayman's number one talk show are bringing you morning talk like no one else. Monday Rewind, Impact Wednesdays, Caribbean Connections, and much more. Don't miss a beat with what's happening in the local community. Just keep sipping your tea. What a mess. Here's your host, live and direct from the Cayman Islands, Sandy Hill. Welcome to another edition of The Cool Hard Truth. It is Friday, and as you guys know, on Fridays, we do a little mixed bag of things. So um, we try to talk politics, which <laughs> I'll tell you guys about that here in a second. But we also uh, you know, take the opportunity to do our mailbag. So we open up the mailbag and respond to your messages, your comments, your questions, uh, read those and get your involvement um, and all that good stuff. So um, happy Friday. It's a beautiful day here in the Cayman Islands. Looks like we're in for a lot of sunshine today. I'm just looking out the window. We'll do our morning news here in just a second. Big shout out to Kevin. Kevin's actually on island visiting. So hey, Kevin Watler. Spending some family time. And of course, he's, you know, he's a, he's a fisherman. So he's out with WG Charters, fishing, and just enjoying some of what this beautiful island has to offer um, by way of attractions. And I think it's always nice when, as Caymanians, we take a minute to kind of de-stress. You know, we're like, okay, just breathe. Uh, take a minute for yourself. Uh, you know, just it's important. I think people spend a lot of money to come here in vacation. We live here 24-7. And I often feel like we don't necessarily appreciate what we have on this absolutely beautiful island. And um, despite the many things that we could complain about, we have so many more things to be absolutely thankful for. So, yes, I think that that's, uh, you know, that's that's super important. So we'll talk about. Um, so, again, Kevin, welcome home. <clears throat> uh, it's, it's nice that people can travel a little bit more freely. Of course, there's a lot of people who are watching a number of things regionally, including monkeypox. And I saw some other headline this morning about all of the um, sort of diseases that are emerging out of Africa that had been kind of laying dormant for a while. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, what on earth next? Like, you don't even want to ask that question. Legitimately, you do not want to ask the question, what next? Because you feel like you're tempting fate. And uh, fate's going to tell you what's next, and it's not going to be good, right? So um, went to the chamber luncheon yesterday, which I just mentioned, and um, it was, uh, yeah, yeah, it was all right. Eh, nothing terribly exciting. Um, what, what's always more interesting is, you guys know I like to people watch. It's always more interesting what people on the table are doing, what people in the room are, are doing. And it's so nice to be able to see people that perhaps this is like the only time you ever see them once for the year is at this chamber event. So, um, you know, I saw lots of faces. Uh, everybody was there. It was a good mixture of people, um, you know, people sponsor tables. And so, as you guys know, Shamari Scott is the chamber president. And of course, Health City had a table. So I was able to say hi to Ingrid and Tiffany and Ben and all those guys. Um, RBC had a table. So a lot of the companies on island actually sponsor tables and then they allow different staff members to attend. And uh, the media has a table. Our table is kind of scant this year. There weren't that many people there. So it was me and Wendy Ledger. 
and Chris from Caymanian Times. Compass was nowhere to be seen. I'm like, where's the compass? They've fallen, they've fallen down. I, I don't see them anywhere. Um, so I don't know if they were, maybe they were at a higher table, like for special people, but they were definitely not at the media table. Um, and then there were some people there from Radio Cayman, which I didn't think that they were the ones who were actually covering it. I think they were just there because, yeah, you know, they invite us and we'll go sort of thing. So uh, we'll talk a little bit about it on Monday. Nothing earth shattering really to talk about, to be honest. Um, so, you know, eh, what can I say? All right. What else do we have on tap for today? Well, we definitely want to talk about the press conferences yesterday morning that the press conference yesterday morning that happened. So yesterday turned out to be a pretty busy day. And I had to wonder when, uh, I don't know if GIS is responsible for the scheduling of these press conferences, but when they schedule these press conferences and these events, do they ever consider um, what's happening with uh, other people in their schedule? You know, what I mean by this, it's very, very simple, actually. Everybody knew that the chamber luncheon was yesterday. Did anyone give any consideration to you have a press conference in the morning at 10 o'clock? The chamber luncheon, you're supposed to be there at 1130 to try to get seated for the luncheon to start at 12. And they're pretty punctual, I must say. Um, parking was, you know, they had to use overflow staff parking because lots of people there. So parking was gone very, very quickly. And so, you know, if you were media and you wanted to attend both events, it was really, really tight for you to do so. So I have no clue who arranges uh, these things. And then this morning, I found out as I was leaving the press conference, um, the chamber luncheon from yesterday, I found out this morning that apparently there's another press conference being held by another ministry um, because they called and said, oh, are you going to be coming? And I'm just like, mm, coming where? Oh, to the press conference yesterday. Uh, what press conference? I'm not like, I don't read minds, not really psychic in that way. So I need to know what press conference. And they were like, oh, the one that we're having tomorrow. Uh-huh, that no one told me about. So how am I supposed to know? Yeah. Oh, we really want you there. Well, if you really want me there, you give me more than 24 hours notice, child. Believe me, you. Uh, unfortunately, that just doesn't work, you know? And the other issue is... Um, it, it, it's kind of, it's kind of sad, but, um, you know, we have a very small team here. So even if I can get someone, um, you know, in place, it uh, doesn't really happen that quickly because they have other engagements and sometimes they're booked doing other things. And, you know, people just, uh, am I the only person who kind of has to plan my life just a little bit? <laughs> I mean, come on now. Um, you know, yeah, it just doesn't work. Uh, so, uh -uh. I don't know what to say, except we won't be there. <laughs> so, sorry, but, you know. So, we'll talk about the press conference yesterday morning because I feel like if I had to grade it, um, and again, I wasn't there because it was literally like right before the other event at the chamber, but I, uh, we live streamed it. So in case you missed it, it's on our social media platforms. You can go and listen to it. And we're going to, we're going to analyze it this morning, pick it apart just a little bit, but I kind of felt like the first half of the press conference with the port was entirely useless. 
especially since they couldn't really answer the questions that people really wanted to know. And then the second half was good with Cayman Airways. So I felt like Cayman Airways got tainted a little bit by um, yesterday's press conference by putting the two things together. And I, and I want to talk about why it was necessary to even have a press conference to announce that um, Mr. Paul Hurlston was going to be appointed as port director. I don't know who gives the minister's advice about these things. I don't know if that's GIS, if that's his PR team or who, but eh, we'll talk about it. Uh, Ms. Vernita, good morning to you. Dane, good morning. So I had someone complaining to me this morning that they couldn't understand me yesterday. They said, when you get excited, you speak fast and I can't understand you. Really? I never, that's a new one for me. I got to admit, um, I don't have the most, uh, I mean, I don't know. Has the Caymanian accent gotten that bad? Where if I speak quickly, y'all can't understand me. Um, and I don't particularly think that I was speaking fast. But again, maybe I just don't know. You know, it's hard to listen to yourself and to really appreciate what you sound like to other people. So, uh, Mr. Dean, Diamond Princess, let me know if you tuned in yesterday and you had any problems understanding me, because surely I don't want to be up here talking just for the sake of talking if nobody can understand what I'm saying. Maybe I need to bring that American twang back a little bit, y'all. Um, I'm not really sure, so do let me know. Good morning, Olivia. You little brat. Good morning. She says, I'm assuming you little brat is a she. Says, have a productive and safe day. Good morning, Robert. Iva's here. Good morning to Barbara, Jessica. So good to see you, Damien. Um, you little brat says, tell me where you shopped for your new wardrobe. Seen some really cute tops on CMR hosts recently. That makes me know that that's a woman. A man would never ask that question. <laughs> so you little brat is indeed a woman. Listen, uh, you guys know I went to Miami and I think it was April. May. And uh, yes, child, I did a little bit of a wardrobe refresh. I feel like I'm not even done yet, though, because it's been so long that my wardrobe has not been refreshed. I have pieces in my closet, I swear, that are over 10 years old. And you still wear them. So yes, I need some more refreshing, child. I need another Miami trip. But I love a good bargain. I love to bargain hunt. And tops are always difficult for me because I'm well endowed on the top. Y'all know what I mean. Um, so, you know, finding a cute top that actually fits and stuff is not as easy as finding bottoms. Uh, I don't, I don't have that. Um, what, what is it? What's that song with the big bottom jeans for pear-shaped women? I don't really have that pear shape per se. So I think that the bottom is a lot easier to shop for. Um, you know, don't have much junk in the trunk, I guess. But listen, um, I love a bargain. So for me, I go to, uh, I love Marshalls and TJ Maxx. I think it takes a certain type of skill set to be able to find stuff in those stores. Um, you know, you gotta, you gotta just uh, really look well to find the good deals. But you know where I find a lot of good stuff? Now, this is going to probably show my age a little bit. I'm going to sound like an old lady here. But legitimately, I love me a JCPenney's and a Sears. I couldn't find a Sears the last time I went to Miami. I don't know where they are now. But I went to like Dolphin Mall. We were at um, 
there's another one that's close to uh, Dolphin Mall. What the heck is it called? International Mall, I think. Um, but yeah, I couldn't really find a Sears anywhere. So I don't know where, I think they've reduced a lot of their stores. But I want to do a Tampa trip soon. You know, we've got cousins in Tampa. I grew up in Tampa. That's my old stomping grounds. I'm always interested to see how Tampa has matured and changed and like, can I still find my way around sort of thing? So I want to do a good like week, at least a week long stay in Tampa. So that's going to be next on my list. And with Cayman Airways now saying that they're flying to Los Angeles, honey, chill. I'm going to be going to LA, go check out Hollywood. Might be something out there for me. Good morning, Athena. Pat is here. Felicia is also here. Wee wee. Good morning, Miss Beulah. Uh, Richard says, nonsense. You're always understandable. Oh, well, thank you. I mean, I just want to make sure now because, child, sometimes we say some really important things on this show, so I do not want y'all missing it. Uh, good morning to Miss Morna, Lulu, um, Richard, good morning to you. Aliano, Marshall is here. Wee says, we all understand you. All right. Emma, have a great day. Lavana thinks I always speak clearly. Well, I try, I try to. Court today, says KK. Ooh, I have not even looked at the court list this week. That's how busy I've been. So anything of interest going on in court, I need to go and look at the grand court list. Um, normally on Friday, they do sentencing in grand court. So it's a good day to show up. So let me just have a quick little perusal of the grand court list. They only send that at the beginning of the week. And then if they make any changes, sometimes you have to reach out to them to say, hey, what changes are happening? Like who's being sentenced? Because the court's always busy. So they move stuff around. Uh, I'll see if I can find anything for grand court. We got summary court, traffic court. Y'all love a traffic court. Mm-mm-mm. Grand Court for July the 4th. Let's see what this says here. Um, so we have a number of people writing judgments. A lot of the judges, they'll just put on their schedule that they're in chambers writing their judgments. In other words, they're busy. Um, we have some family court matters, looks like. Pro Plus Construction is in court. K-Man, Premix. Lots of construction stuff going on because y'all can't deliver. And all the things that you're promising to build people. Um, oh. Ooh, honey child. They were doing the, um, oh, this is one that we definitely have to follow. So they were doing jury selection in the case of David Watler Lyons, Alcott Anthony Fisher, Arceli Espinosa, Humberto Noah Peña. Conspiracy to commit the act of unlawful gambling and possession of criminal property. So um, I got to see if that one, if that one actually kicked off. Yeah, child, I got to go to court next week. Because if they were doing jury selection, that means mm, the trial is going to be in full force. So we need to check that one out. Uh, that, that's the case of David Watler Lyons, apparently has a reputation for being a big time gambler in the Cayman Islands. I hear he is one of the biggest and the baddest number sellers here in Cayman. And this was news to me. I didn't know anything about it till recently. And uh, there he is. He's got a case coming up. Him, him and his wife, um, Nancy. Uh, the, the most serious 
thing I think is the possession of criminal property, hundreds of thousands of dollars. The crown alleges when I say hundreds of thousands, I'm talking about three, $400,000 folks. The crown alleges that they had um, in their possession that came from the proceeds of, of gambling, of, of unlawful gambling. Wow. Here's another case of interest. Remember this one, Lurline Viola Smith Henry. This is the lady she's on bail who's accused of um, child abduction, basically. You guys remember we reported on this and y'all were so shocked. But yeah, she's accused of stealing a little Jamaican kid. Not the first time, evidently, but the first time she's actually being prosecuted for it. And um, child endangerment or something. Um, Healthy life. I forget the exact, uh, hold on, let me tell you what Lurline is up to. So this is interesting. I thought she was going to plead guilty. Oh, my God. Mm -mm -mm. We broke this story last June. Um, East End family charged with stealing Jamaican child. Miss Lurline is 59, 60 years old. Her and her son were charged with child theft. And I think the charges against him have since been dropped. But uh, she took this little 12-year-old from Jamaica and actually mistreated him here in the Cayman Islands, which I found astonishing. And it's not the first time that she's done it. And she was running a bit of a scam because what she was actually doing is um, she was using children to get money from the government. Children that aren't even Caymanian children. Like, it's bizarre. And so she told them that she had, like, all these kids in her custody. And it turns out she was actually duplicating the children as well. It wasn't... Like, say say at some point she claimed she had six children in her custody. It was only like three or four because she just changed her name. So bizarre, right? Mm-mm-mm. There's some very strange people out there. What else is coming up? Um, we got a bunch of finance, real estate, petitions. That's all civil stuff. Um... General admission, somebody's being uh, called to the bar. Two people. Jessica Maxwell and Kevin Maxwell. Oh, that's um, family court, divorce proceedings. When they're trying to divide up all their stuff. So we have legal arguments. Defendant is on bail. Jean-Michael Martinez-Smith. Which one is he again? Can't even remember. Omar Barrington Reed, aggravated burglary. Mm-mm. Sabrina Elizabeth, Dennis Algueta, and Jerome Alexander Miller, all in court for <clears throat> wounding, common assault, and criminal damage. What a mess. Another one for Gerald Javid Clare. That's a wounding trial. Huh. Wow. Hot mess. Uh, Lots of family court stuff here as well. Family court can be very, very interesting. Mm -hmm. And then for today, um, Carmely's in in court. Carmely, what are you in court for? Oh, Lord. Look at Sister Carmely. Carmely, Virginia Watson, it says defendants attend via Zoom. So this is a case management hearing. 
So Kate's management hearings happen before you're going to be headed off to um, an actual trial. So this is where they talk about, like the lawyers and the judges figure out, you know, what they're going to do before the trial starts. So they like, okay, it's going to take, it's going to be a one week trial. Is there any discovery documents that are missing? Like they try to get it together before the trial actually starts. So they have a bunch of those uh, four scheduled um, this week. Mikael, Brandon, Leslie, defendant in custody to appear via Zoom. Ooh, which case is this? This is Matthew Leslie's brother. Um, I can't keep up because he's had a number of matters over the years. Is this the um, is this the, the shooting incident at the bar? I'm trying to remember. This is something with a gun, I think. We'll have to look up this latest case. This is indictment 67 of 21, which would have been last year. All right, we'll get some details on that because I cannot remember which of his matters this would be. Um... So it looks like he's having some kind of mention or something before Justice St. John Stevens. And then Friday, a couple of judgments are being written. Um, Leroy, oh my gosh, Leroy is in court. Family matter, looks like. And um, a bunch of family stuff today. And then they have criminal mention. So mention, not much is going to happen. They'll set another date. Uh, so Tracy, Elizabeth Dixon, Watler. So yeah, I don't think, um, I'll double check. Oh God. Here's that guy, Selvin Sinon Caballero. This is the one who's being accused of molesting a child. Mm. Mm, 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 mm. Um, so yeah, I don't see, I don't think they're doing any sentencing today. So thanks for the reminder to just check the court list because sometimes I legitimately get so busy. So KK has a laugh at my comment about apple bottom jeans. Yes. When you got an apple bottom, chal, you need those apple bottom jeans. Uh, DDS is too good. DDS too good shopping too. Who's DDS? I'm missing out on some shopping. Um, DDS. I don't know what DDS is. KK says Sears and JCPenney I shop at and I'm a young girl. Girl, don't do this. <laughs> Siobhan, good morning. Um, says you speak with more of a Caymanian accent depending on the topic, but you still speak very clear to me. Yes. Um, Y'all know when I'm bringing the real sus. That's when the Caymanian comes out, yeah. That's when the Georgetowner finds y'all. And yesterday was full of a lot of it. Um, Marshall says a lot of the Sears stores are now closed. Everton. I feel like there's still some in Miami, though. Buenos dias to Senora Alba. Como estas? Uh, Marjorie says that she wants to go to L.A. Well, girl, now you're going to be able to jump on a plane come early November and go straight to L.A. No idea what pricing is going to be like, but hey. Uh-huh. Um... You can see the list because it's supposed to be online. Now, what I've noticed that they do, I'll send you this list, but what I've noticed that they do with the list is the links do not work um, after a certain amount of time. So they, I guess, recycle the list. And it would be good if they were actually kept up on, on the judicial website. Yesterday, I had a lawyer calling me about a particular case. He was trying to get some details. It sounded like he was doing a bit of case prep. And so he was asking me about a case that happened during the COVID lockdown. It was related to um, COVID fines and stuff like that. 
And, you know, lawyers have so many cases sometimes that they have to deal with and they can't always remember, like something might stick in their head, like, hmm, I think that case might be relevant, but especially if it's summary court, because summary court cases don't get recorded in the same way that a grand court case does. So a grand court case, just FYI, will have a proper stenographer and they're there transcribing the trial. Summary court doesn't really happen in that way. So unless you were in summary court, you know, you could really miss um, all of that. And there's no like official record of it, which I don't know why that is. To me, in 2022, there has to be a more efficient and effective way of recording every single proceeding if need be. I mean, I know it takes a minute, but just like you can record every single Zoom meeting you have, it's not rocket science when it comes to this aspect of IT. Uh, recording these things are relatively straightforward. And, um, you know, I think that all court proceedings should be, number one, open to the public in terms of viewing. Live stream them all. What are we hiding? Educate people. Uh, but when he called me, I, I was able to give him some information, which I think um, assisted him and sort of corrected. He was like thinking one thing transpired. I was like, no, 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 no. This was a sequence of events. And sometimes I only remember certain things in relation to particular trials, because, you know, if you're writing on it, you might remember, well, I had to, you know, look this up or, you know, you might remember things uh, for like, it stands out in your mind for a particular reason. Right. So, um, matrix says, and the judgment will lead to a hundred dollar fine. So this is the gambling case. I think where they are looking at more than a hundred dollars. Cause remember gambling and selling numbers literally is $50 and a hundred dollars. Right. I think where they're looking at more is, um, the possession of criminal property. That is a very different type of offense. Now, the conspiracy to commit an act of unlawful gambling, if that is what falls under the gambling law here in the Cayman Islands, yes, that is uh, literally a fine of $50, we found out. Um, gambling law 2016 revision. Who revised this law in 2016 and did not change? That'd be the, the progressive government, right? They were in then, yeah. And did not bother to change... Um, any of the penalties, like this law literally is a joke. This is not, this law is not worth the paper that it's printed on all 16 pages. $10 fines, $50 fine. I'm like, what? The penalties are, are, it's completely useless. So I think this government is looking to do something about that, but child, they have a long list of stuff that they're trying to do stuff about. So I don't know how high up the priority list this is. But yeah. And then I'm wondering if the conspiracy, let me see. I think, you see, I think the conspiracy charge um, might be different. That might be a different offense. I, th I want to say that actually falls under the penal code and not the gambling law, which probably means that is, it is a more serious offense than just um, common gaming house. See, there are different offenses, right? So section four of the gambling law talks about, um, you know, owning or occupying a common gambling house and that sort of thing. So those are the offenses specific to this law. But nowhere in here do I see the conspiracy charge, which leads me to believe that that could be, 
let me look at the penal code of the Cayman Islands. Um, that, that could be a more serious offense. So it looks like the penal code 2019 revision. Let's see. Conspiracy. Um, definition of an overt act. So conspiracy with any person to affect the purpose. So yeah, I think conspiracy by itself is like a totally separate offense. And so there's like conspiracy to murder, um, conspiracy to commit an offense. So section 321 of the penal code and 322 talks about other conspiracies. Uh, conspiracy to murder, section 197. Um, so I believe... Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I believe that this is where they're going to catch them is under Section 318 and beyond of the Penal Code. Right? And what kind of, what does that carry with it? A person who conspires with another um, or others to commit any offense or to do any act in any part of the world, which if done in the islands would be an offense punishable with imprisonment and which is an offense in the place where it is proposed to be done, commits an act, uh, commits an offense, sorry, and is liable if no other punishment is provided to imprisonment of 10 years. Mm, mm, mm. Wow. Yes, sir. That's where it's at. That's not a $50 fine, honey chill. Or if the greatest punishment to which the person convicted of the offense in question is liable is uh, less than imprisonment for 10 years and the punishment for such lesser term. Mm, mm, mm. Yes. So they're actually not using the gambling law in this particular offense, uh, this list of charges. They are looking at um, conspiracy to commit the act of unlawful gambling. You can conspire to probably commit any act, by the way. And then possession of criminal property um, is, you know, a whole other situation. So let me see what they have for possession of criminal property. Um, obviously, they're going to confiscate the criminal property. So that hundred, that $300,000 is going to be gone. Um, so I'm sure that probably de defense a person. Um Oh, we got a caller who can probably help me with this. Yes, honey. Oh, that's the wrong number. Who's calling me from England? All right. I don't know who that is, but that's the wrong number if you mean to call me. <laughs> um, so Aliana says they better not call me for jury duty. So I haven't gotten paid for my la last jury duty session. And the construction sector is a mess. Oh, my gosh. Um, why haven't you been paid? I've never served jury duty, so I don't know. KK is asking about the child in the child theft case. Yeah, they sent the child back. I read the, the case file and it was very, it was very bizarre what she was doing. But basically she was going to Jamaica and, you know, she had some connections there with some people and promising them to help like poor, unfortunate children. Like, oh, have them come to the Cayman Islands. I'm a good person. I'll take care of the child. And people were just that trusting. They don't even know Lurline. I'm like, how do you just give your child to a total stranger? 
Just because they live in the Cayman Islands doesn't mean that they're a good person. Or just because they're Caymanian doesn't mean that they're a good person. And she was abusing this poor little boy. Wasn't even allowing him to go to school. And having him, having him do like the housework and all this sort of stuff. So one day he runs away and runs into the ocean um, to call attention to himself so that the police could rescue him. And of course, th this is like a lifetime movie. I can see the script now, right? Little kid runs into the ocean. Authorities pick him up and she's claiming that, um, I forget what lie she told them. She told them something about, um, oh, you know, he's like lying and he's just a bad kid. And then they were like, well, can we see his documents? Oh, she doesn't have his birth certificate. That's why he's not registered in school because she was waiting on somebody from Jamaica to send it. I'm like, how do you allow a child? This is where those those child trafficking laws, you understand why they're in place and why a child can't travel without proper documentation. But the child obviously had a passport. They were able to come to Cayman, sounds like pretty much unsupervised, um, and just hand it over to this total stranger. What a mess. We'll be watching that case. I'm curious as to how it's all going to end. Um... Why would you, and why would you want a child that you're going to turn around and then abuse? It's so bizarre. Oh, morning, Miss Celine. So good to see you. Scott says, talking about quarantine breach, show on police check. Do regular traffic tickets show on there too, or just the driving record? Uh, traffic offenses don't tend to show up on uh, police, um, what are we calling it? Police records? So yeah, regular traffic offenses do not tend to show up there. Um, Jonathan says, do you know how disappointed half of those people on that airplane are going to be when they land and came in from LA? You know, ganja is legal over there. A lot of people smoke the good stuff over there. Well, when you're in Rome, you do what the Romans do. So just because you do something in your country and it's legal... Um, doesn't mean that when you come to Cayman, you do that. Y'all see what's happening in Russia with that American um, basketball star? What's her name? Um, the African-American lady. She pled guilty to possession of, what was it that she had? I think it was marijuana, you know. And I don't know what kind of sentence she's looking at, but in Russia, they don't play. It's probably a 10-year sentence. Because they just don't play. If you break their rules, you're going to be going to jail. And let's be honest, they're also not the most um, balanced people, you know, in, in the way that they sentence you. But they send a very, very clear message that you do not come to Russia as a foreigner and break our laws, whether that's what you do in your country or not. So I'm sure this young lady, I'm trying to remember her name now. I'll get it here in a second. I am sure that, um, you know, she's all about that pot smoking life, even as a professional athlete, and that's her business, but you don't bring it to Russia. And of course, you know, um, there are arguments being made that, oh, you know, she's getting different treatment because she's a woman and the Biden administration is, is not doing enough to help her. And it, it's a tough situation, folks, because when you break laws in another country, which she's now admitted to, uh, you might have to face some very, very serious consequences. So I don't know how much negotiating they're going to be able to do to help get her out of this mess. 
But given the current diplomatic relationships between Russia and the U.S., probably not a whole lot. So her name is, let me tell you now, uh, Brittany, is it Griner? Pleads guilty to drug charge in Russian court. Child, so sad. She's a WNBA star, American, carrying cannabis oil on the second day of her closely watched trial. They actually had a trial where she faces up to 10 years in prison. The question now is whether Russia and Moscow will be able to reach a deal on her release and that of, a, of other American detainees amid a deep diplomatic chill over the Kremlin's brutal war in Russia. 10 years for CBC oil. Hmm. Y'all joke around. Jonathan, you can joke all you want, but in other places in the world, you don't play that game with them. So sorry. Good morning, Louie. Everton is here. Uh, let's talk about that here in a second, Everton. Luis says Umberto came here as a, a Cuban refugee. Now he owns six homes, bank-free, and now I understand why. It's just a matter of time. Oh, snaps. So Umberto was listed with uh, Mr. Watler. Oh, Lord. Well, you know, Umberto Noah Pena has six homes in Cayman? Bank-free? Honey child, you know when you see that happening, something ain't right. You can barely get one house out of the bank in the Cayman Islands, no matter how much money you have. <sighs> it's sad because ill-gotten gains, you're going to lose it the same way you got it, probably. Ay, ay, ay. Luis says construction companies hire too much illegal people and pay low income. That's a whole other show, honey child, but you're right. Uh, yeah, poor Brittany. What a mess. Can you imagine 10 years in a Russian jail? She really looks like she's lost a few pounds, child. She really looks stressed out. I don't think she's been, and she's very tall. So um, I think they had her like in a confined area. Um, you know, yes, she said that she's able to read books. <laughs> My God, can you imagine the day that that's like a, a, a luxury? Um, so they're trying to see if they can finagle her release, but, um, she says, she told the court on Thursday that she had been in a rush when she packed and that the vape cartridges ended up in her baggage by accident. This is what Russian media has reported. Mm -mm. Wow. 10 years for vaping cannabis oil. Damn, that's a little bit crazy. This is the kind of experience that changes your life forever. No, honey child. And that's like when Americans come here and, and there's like a gun in the suitcase and weapons and whatever. I don't believe them when they say, oh, they're just packing really quickly. Americans just leave guns laying around in every single suitcase. I'm like, who, how do y'all pack? Seriously. When you travel, do you not unpack everything? The second I come home, I unpack everything out of my suitcase and I clear it out and shake it out and don't bring back any bugs from overseas. You know, um, 
crazy. Jonathan says somebody put Kim Kardashian on her case. She's a lawyer. <laughs> Kim Kardashian has no pull in Russia, I can assure you. <sighs> oh, my God. So Ali says, I hear that she had to plead guilty for the prison swap that Biden will do with Russia. Okay. We'll see how that works out. Thank you, Scott. He says, Russia and sports, they just reassigned a 20-year-old um, hockey player to an island in Siberia because he wants to play in the NHL next year. Mm-mm-mm. Matrix said she should have had more sense. Don't feel sorry for her. If she didn't respect the laws of Russia, what do we expect? Morning, Tracy. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, when you go to another man's country, you tread lightly. Mm-mm-mm. Uh, Hero Blair says, good morning, my favorite people. Have a good day. Good feeling Friday. Let's talk about the press conference yesterday. Now, shall I issue a warning shot to the PAC government from now? Don't y'all be getting upset with me now because, boy, some of them are very, very thin-skinned. Oh, Jesus. They get so, oh, Sandy hates us. She's turning against people. I'm like, I'm covering the news. And we're talking about topical things. And yes, if you screw up or something that falls under your responsibility is not doing well, why do y'all take it so personal? I'm like, take it easy. Like, relax yourself already. When you get into politics, um, you know, just, oh my gosh, I'm doing my job. You not doing the best job, some of y'all. And if I have to call it out, then sorry, but not sorry. Oh, the mooning and the complaints I hear. Oh, well, Sandy, this is what they are saying, that you hate them. I'm just like, who cares? <laughs> if, if it was true, which it isn't, who cares, really? Right? How do you expect to be held accountable if nobody's watching the foolishness that you're doing? You just want to pass. That's what that's all about. Well, I'm sorry, but you don't get a pass around here. And in fact, not only do you not get a pass, y'all wait till I drop this situation, but sometimes the things that you do is downright ridiculous. This press conference yesterday, the first half of it made no sense to me. Minister, I do not know who is advising you with certain things. Now, I know the minister going to think I'm picking on him. I can see it coming already. Kenneth, I'm not picking on you, I swear. And I'm not even picking on the port, I swear. But my position remains you need to get rid of that port board. Now, you decide to have this press conference to announce the appointment of, um, what's his name there? Mr. Paul Hurlston. Well, it, technically it's old news because we told people three weeks ago that he had gotten the job. But I found it peculiar and I had to ask myself, why were you even having the press conference? I cannot recall, correct me if I'm wrong here. I cannot recall any other press conference in the history of press conferences here in the Cayman Islands to announce the appointment of a head of an agency. Like what, what's the big deal? Well, the big deal is we've been riding their asses like white on rice. 
And so I guess the pressure is on to try to make this big to do about it. Oh, here he is, the man in all of his shining glory. Okay, all right. Let's say that that in and of itself is not a problem. It's, it's, it's unusual, let's put it that way. But doing things differently and unusual, I'm gonna pull up some video clips here if I can. Um, okay, let, let, let's say that that's all right. It is what it is. The fact that then you put this man on display and he ain't ready is a problem. Ooh, my Lord. I was sitting there going, why did y'all decide to have this press conference? Because now you've only made yourselves look kind of stupid. Wendy Ledger's there asking questions and you can't even answer Wendy's questions. So you have a press conference, you invite media and then you refuse to answer the questions? What the hell is that? Makes zero sense and it makes you look bad in the end. So we're gonna have a look at the little, a little bit of the footage here of uh, yesterday's press conference. I want y'all to see it for yourself because maybe you didn't tune in. Trying to get this video ready as well. Because the other thing you do is you expose your hand when you can't afford to expose your hand. Mm -hmm. In the world of PR, right? There are times when you're better off saying nothing. You just keep your mouth shut. And when you keep your mouth shut, you can't go on record. People can't say, yep, this is what was said. You're like, nope, I never said anything. Because mm -hmm. then I'm going to show you all what ends up happening. You end up contradicting yourself. And when you start to contradict yourself, people go, are you lying or are you just stupid? Why are you contradicting yourself? Because normally those are the two reasons why you contradict yourself. All right, got my dongle ready. So, you know, they made this announcement. Um, Mr. Paul Hurlson is here. Uh, good stuff. He has um, been appointed. They're making a big to-do about it. And then I'm sitting there going, hmm. Uh, the board chair was there, Mr. CG. Hmm. First time we've seen or heard from him with all the mess that's been going on at the port. So it's very interesting that this is what you have a press conference about. And then I think to myself, right. You think people have a short memory that we're stupid and we don't actually know the facts? when CMR has been here informing people what's been going on at the port, let me refresh your memories before we go into this, right? Of what has transpired. Probably over a year ago, this board, as they were appointed, their first remit was to find a permanent port director after poor Joey had been there for three years acting. You don't have people acting forever. This is a problem. So they advertise the position and they get, was it six applicants? I'd have to go back in my notes now because I have my notes here somewhere. And they get all these applicants and they as a board make a decision that none of those applicants are viable. They don't want to hire any of them. Hmm. Okay. 
Now, here's the thing that will have you spinning right now and going, what the hell did Sandy just say? One of those applicants was Mr. Pearl, Paul Hurlston himself. Hello. Y'all heard that? Ali says, warning shots fired. So when you sit down, folks, and you now make a big press conference about the fact that this man has been hired and he's the best and he did this report and he submitted all this stuff, you know the likes of Wendy Ledger, and I wasn't physically there, but I'm sitting there shaking my head like, these people are crazy. You don't think people are going to say, hold on a second. Paul Hurlston worked as port director for 14 years. And he was fired from that job. Now, I'm not saying maybe it was in politics. This was under the progressive, so God only knows what was in the mix. But at the time, the reasoning that Alden and the Minister of Tourism at that time, which, 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 which would have been Mr. Moses Kirkernel gave, is that the port had been in a fiscal position. In other words, they were losing and hemorrhaging money to the tune of millions of dollars, which had never happened before. And so this hemorrhaging of money made them realize that maybe Mr. Uh, Hurlston wasn't best suited for the job. So they gave him the ax. Now he has never admitted to exactly being fired. He himself has not admitted. So here it comes Wendy yesterday. Ooh, Wendy can be so salty. I love it. Yes. So let me, let me just find where Wendy asked this question. But of course you put this poor man on display and one of the things that occurred to me is, I don't know Mr. Pearl, Mr. Pearl, Mr. Paul Hurlston, right? And, but quite frankly, when I sat there watching him yesterday, his body language, his demeanor, the whole thing, I thought to myself, oh, Jesus, this man is going to be railroaded by this board. He seems like such a humble just meek individual who can barely speak up for himself. I didn't hear a lot of confidence in his tone of voice. I didn't hear a man that I thought, oh, yes, this is a man who's going to go in there and clean up the port. Oh, instead, I heard, oh, child, here we go again. This, bo this board is going to be running him in circles micromanaging him. Let me, I'm going to make you guys listen to a snippet and you tell me if I'm completely off here. You tell me if I'm crazy because that's okay. You can totally tell me that I'm wrong and I won't take offense. There we go. Listen to this. Happily welcome Mr. Mr. Hulston publicly to his new role as director of the Port Authority. As most of you will no, the Port Authority has not had a permanent director for a period of over three years, which has caused some level of instability. Um, when the board was appointed in late last year, uh, we decided to do an assessment. We went through a, a recruitment process and it was determined to take a bit of a a break from the, the actual recruitment before 
actually getting a director in place because the board wanted to assess the deficiencies, what was most important to the board. Okay, that's a lie. Let, let me just stop. Let me just stop him right there. The first words out of CJ's mouth are a bold faced lie. I don't know who he thinks he's fooling, but that's a lie. You decided to take a break from the recruitment process. That's a damn lie. Why are you lying to the people? You didn't take a break. Y'all said amongst yourselves that there was no one from the applicants that were qualified, including Paul Hurlston, who you've now turned around and hired. What? And you were supposed to restart the recruitment exercise and re-advertise and start all over. In the meantime, y'all were having so many issues that CMR is over here reporting left, right, and center, all the deficiencies, as he says, that's happening over there. And then they get a little bit desperate. They go through a whole string of acting port directors. Joey resigns. The deputy, um, the next guy resigns. Beth comes in. That's a fiasco. They try to move Bravon in there. That's a fiasco. Uh, they put in Mr. Dale Christian. Eh, he's just there as a seat warmer. Donovan trying to take over port director job. So all this kind of, he is a lawyer after all. So the, the, the twist and the play on words, I guess, for lawyers is supposed to be something um, that is acceptable. But that's a lie. Do not lie to the people of the Cayman Islands because I feel like when you lie to us, you actually insult us to think that we're going to believe this. You didn't take a pause to look at deficiencies. You said the six men, there were all men that applied. I think it was six of them. Don't kill me if, if it might be eight versus six. You said none of them were qualified. Now you've gone back and picked one of those individuals. Just to, what would be so wrong if you just said, you know what? We were going to re-advertise it. We just looked at the candidates again. And we thought, eh, we can work with Mr. Paul. All this fanciness about, uh, we wanted to examine our deficiencies more. You do some more examination of your deficiencies. All right, let's continue here, Chow. Let's see what other lies coming. Because that would obviously play an important role in making the decision in terms of the selection. Mm. Um, because there was a, a feel of, of strong candidates at that stage. Um, hello. You've done? A, a field of strong candidates? That's another lie. I need my, you're a damn liar button right now. Strong candidates that you said none of them are qualified for the job. How can they be a strong candidate? Okay, let's move on. This is only one minute into the press conference, by the way. We're happy to to announce, uh, Mr. Hilson, we think that this is exactly what the port needed at this point in time. Um, in addition to the other responsibilities, uh, another deficiency that was identified was one of Human resources, the port is quite a large organization in terms of human resources. And for over three years, they were operating without a HR manager. So one of the first tasks that Mr. Hulson has been um, given from the board standpoint is looking at organizational structure 
and addressing those deficiencies. All right, stick a pin right there. I'm going to tell you all something. You're going to hear it here first. It is my understanding that they are actually going to be hiring. Listen to how dysfunctional this is going to get. The old HR manager who was previously fired. So the port is going to be fixing all their issues by rehiring people who were fired, apparently. I can't remember what her name is, but you heard it for here first. She's coming back to the job. They said they have tasked him with hiring it, but the word on the street, and y'all know the CMR, the mall road be getting it good. The word in the street is the decision has already been made to bring her back. How can it be made to bring her back if it's supposed to be made by Paul Hurlston, but it was made before he got the job? Mm, mm, mm. Jesus. Praise the Lord. Can we please get some truth telling up in here? You insult me and by extension, the people of the Cayman Islands when you think we don't know this stuff. You guys rehiring? Somebody help me out with her name here. Y'all already rehiring her? Nope, it's not Sandra Barnett, not her. The other one who got fired. What the hell was her name? So she's coming back and you're going to make it look like it was Paul Hurlston that hired her back. Y'all better be careful because I've just exposed you. Go, go ahead and pull that contract from under her now. Go ahead and tell her you changed her mind and you're actually going to do a fair recruitment process. Advertise the job. Damn liars. Mr. Hurlston, as the minister mentioned, has responsibility for the operational aspect of the port. And... We're also happy um, that Mr. Elson, with his experience, will be able to address another concern that has been identified, which is the one of safety, where there's some some current that has been concerns that has been raised in regards to um, the front-facing aspects of the port. We're also happy to announce that uh, safety. He kind of glossed over that one real quick. So let's let's talk about safety since y'all want to talk about safety. All right. Beth McField went there and she, you know, said uh, she was in charge of like they said operational stuff. Remember their press release. It became apparent almost immediately to her that there was some serious concerns as it relates to safety. Y'all remember the report? I got to go pull out my little Port Authority file. It's around here somewhere. But you guys remember the report? We went over this in detail. Where she said a number of things, and a lot of what she talked about is no proper safety manager. There were not reports being done, all sorts of stuff. And she requested and started a safety audit through Mr. Um, help me out now, Marshall, um, Rohan Marshall. So uh, Rohan has, I guess, a company. Remember, he used to work with um, the Department of Labor, and he did labor inspections around um safety. I think he has some OSHA qualifications. I think he also worked for, I want to say he worked for DART, the DART organization at some point. And now I believe he has his own company. So she was the one, listen to how they just glossed it over as though Mr. Paul is going to be doing it or the board is going to be doing this. She was the one who said, we need a safety audit and engage the services of Rohan Marshall. Here's the kicker. What Mr. I'm going to tell y'all what's really going on in the port should have said is that the safety audit has been completed. So this isn't something that Paul Hurlston can now waltz in there and take credit for, nor can this board, because the time that they were sitting there twiddling their fingers, Jackie, Richard, and all these other board members, they weren't the ones who said, oh, we need a safety audit because a cantina just dropped 
and 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 this man was in the truck and it just dropped and almost killed him remember they didn't even report that cmr put that story out there and poor fellow couple months after that he died now i'm not saying that that's what killed him but i'm i'm sure as hell gonna say that probably contributed to his untimely demise there have been accents at the port port equipment rusting to pieces serious safety concerns not only has the report been completed but it has been given to the board why do we not know anything about what that report has said and why does it appear i don't know if the ministers received that safety report or not but from what i understand although it's been given to the board it may not have even been given to the entire board because you know this board is so special that certain board members think that they have a separate board that they do certain things under and that the other board members have no clue about has it been tabled before the entire board that's a question that i want to know so you're talking about oh he's gonna be looking at safety talk about the safety audit that's already completed and by the way that is very damning. It is completed. And my understanding is it is a damning report. In other words, what it says is people's lives are at risk at this port. Huh? Hmm. Has initiated three subcommittees. Um, there's an audit and risk subcommittee, with, which was specifically requested, contrary to some uh, media reports, but mm. the audit and risk committee committee was subcommittee was specifically requested by the auditor general that committee is being able to chaired by miss jackie scott um hello he's referring to us when he says as as uh, what did he say reported by other me listen sir it was not requested we were in contact with the auditor general it wasn't requested by her so again let's tell the truth what she what her office has said is that they think it's a good idea for everybody to have an audit and risk committee if the audit and risk committee is doing the right thing. So when CG talks about it was requested by the auditor general, show us the proof of that. When was when did that happen? Because the meeting which the whole discussion came up about the concerns in a previous audit dating back to 2018 about this audit and risk committee, and what they were doing and how they were overstepping into operational things, you were not at the meeting because you were not part of the board at the time. So how do you know what she requested from what she didn't request? She met with then port director. And what she told him is that having the audit and risk committee in and of itself isn't the problem. The problem is this board and the people who are chairing that, which, by the way, was Jackie then, it's Jackie again. I, I love how he says that she's capable. Because back in 2018, in the previous years, when she was chairing the Audit and Risk Committee, she wasn't capable enough to even know what the remit of the Audit and Risk Committee was supposed to be. And that is where the Auditor General had an issue. Not with the subcommittee or the committee itself. She said that y'all are using it for the wrong purpose. It's not supposed to be delving into HR matters and mingling into the operations of the port. So if Jackie was chairing it before and she didn't even have a clue 
what the audit and risk committee was supposed to be doing, what has she done since then to inform herself of what it should be doing now that you've reinstated it? Y'all sent her in some training. This board has had no training and she certainly has done no training. So what has changed? Has she sat down with the auditor herself to understand what the audit and risk committee is supposed to do? Has the board received any sort of a uh, explanation of this is gonna be the remit and the responsibilities of the audit and risk committee? No, what y'all did was you reinstated it, did not inform any of the other board members as to why it was suspended in the first place. And the only people that objected to it being suspended in the first place was guess who? Jackie, Scott, Rankin, and Richard Parchment, because they're the only two who are always objecting to everything at the port. So they didn't want it to go away. Now the previous port director clearly did not have, after he sat down with the Auditor General's office, he either did not really understand what she was saying about the Audit and Risk Committee or, because again, she didn't say to get rid of it. That was their decision to suspend it because they didn't think that they could rein in Jackie, I guess. So they said, let's just suspend it indefinitely. Or he just didn't want to be bothered with trying to say, Jackie, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this, you can't do that. So you reinstated it. Reinstating it isn't the issue. And I would challenge you to demonstrate to the people that came in Islands, instead of just telling bold-faced lies in a press conference, demonstrate to the people that came in Islands where the Auditor General has contacted you and said, oh, reinstate this committee. Show us the email, dear sir. We would love to see it. Because I'm pretty sure that's not what happened. And nowhere in your board minutes do you ever say that we have been contacted by the Auditor General's office and asked to reinstate this. Not only that, but you don't have a discussion with other board members about the history of why it was suspended in the first place. You know how they knew it was suspended? When they read the article on CMR. So don't talk about when CMR or like, oh, we're erroneously reporting stuff. Read the article. The article is quite factual. We reach out to Auditor General's uh, office because this is obviously not my area of expertise and I'm not gonna pretend to be an expert with this. So I had questions. And the Auditor General provided the actual reports that talked about what the issue was. The ISA, what is it, ISA 260 or whatever? She provided it in 2018. And it said what the concerns were about that committee. Shall we only two minutes, two and a half minutes in? We have an importer subcommittee, which was designed to meet and discuss concerns and challenges by our largest importers, being our customers. And that committee is chaired by board member, Ms. Irma Arch. And then there's an enhancement committee, which is chaired by the representative of the Chamber of Commerce, Mr. Richard Parchman, who also is the deputy chairman. Um, we are excited and we look forward to the board working together with the ministry and Mr. Hulston on initiatives to improve the port's efficiency, financial stability, and customer service while also ensuring a safe, healthy, and pleasant operational environment for the staff and clients of the Port Authority. As the Minister said, um, others have stepped up in various capacities to ensure that the Port has continued to, to function efficiently. Hmm. And we thank them for their service as well as all the other members of staff. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much, 
Mr. Glickman, we now go to the new Port Authority Director, Mr. Paul Hurlston. Good morning, everyone. I will keep, <clears throat> sorry, I will keep my remarks brief as I'm known to do. Um, I'm sure there'll be other opportunities in the future for the Honorable Minister and the Board to expound on what has taken place, the good things at the Port. But I must say it is indeed a privilege to once again be the Port Authority's Port Director. As the Minister said, I was there for 14 years before, and before that I was the Deputy Director for nine years, and before that I was the Government Auditor in charge of the Port, so I have a pretty long history with the Port Authority. I am looking forward to working for the Board. We already had a meeting, and by extension with the Minister, the Chief Officer in charge of the Port. All right, just let me pause for one second there. I don't know if that was a Freudian slip or not, but did he just say that he's working for the board? Are you working for the board? Are you working with the board? Hmm. Y'all keep listening. I believe that together we can enhance the operations of the port which the Port Authority, which also includes Kimamrak and Little Kiman, we must never forget that they are part of this equation also. In short, in the short time I've been back, I've been amongst other things, reaching out on a personal basis to staff, which is so important. And as you may be aware that the majority of current staff at the Port and I have previously worked together I believe it's fair to say that I have continued to have a great working relationship with them. Thus, the transition back has so far been quite smooth. In closing, I would like to thank everyone, especially the port staff, which is 100% Caymanian, for their dedication. And I will endeavor to always, always do my best under the guidance of the ministry and the board. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Hulston. We're now gonna take questions from members of the media, starting with Mr. Ralph Lewis from the Commandian Times. All right, let's just skip over Ralph, Joe, because poor Ralph. Um, let's, let's go straight to Wendy. Just a second here now. We're gonna skip straight to what Wendy had to say, because this is, um, you know, setting aside the pleasantries of what Ralph often does, uh, AKA just ask kissing, uh, we're going to get straight to it. All right. So let me see. Where does, where does Wendy come in? Hold on a second here now. Um, let's see if this is Wendy. I might have some follow up questions quite a lot to read up and go back in history anyway but I'll start and uh, Mr. Halston and um, can you tell us why it was that you left in 2015 mm, mm, you've always mm. said you weren't fired so I will defer that question perhaps mm. yeah, um, well okay why why can't the Newport director simply answer that question I have no clue why you decide to have a press conference, folks, 
and you are not prepared to answer. Did they think this question wasn't coming? This is where I'm confused. To me, this was a very logical question, right? He just said, I was there for 14 years as port director. Before that, I was there for 19 years. So 14 plus nine rounded up to 10. That's what, 24 years? You're in management? And then they fire you? They say the port is doing the worst it's ever done financially, and they fire you. And now it's asking, well, you, you've, you've claimed that you weren't fired, which actually isn't true. But um, can you tell us why you left now that you're back? And the first thing you do as someone who's supposed to be building confidence in the community is you defer the question. You can't even answer it. Let's listen to the response. Thank, thank you, Mr. Olson, for referring to the chief officer. But uh, Wendy, I, <laughs> the chief I officer didn't even get to answer the question. Now today. Poor, poor chief officer Strandbaden over there with his hand folded like, uh, okay. Um, would have no bearing on why he left. And I, I think that we're, hmm. we're hoping today and with your blessings to move forward in a positive direction. Mm -hmm. We no, recognize no, no, that he has the skill set necessary to do the job mm. and the experience. Um, and hoping that that regardless mm. of what reasons it was, he, he departed. From what the a hot mess, um, folks. Should, should what a hot mess. The, the benefits of what he can offer to the court today. Um, again, um, the political arm of it won't have any influence in the hiring and firing of civil servants or public servants. Um, mm. But in, in light of... Pretty sure the last government fired him, but let's continue. Of moving forward in a positive direction, I, I'm not sure. I'll tell you what he'll do, but um, hopefully that wouldn't be a relevance to, to his appointment. Today. I think it's relevant, but anyway. Um... Yes. All right, Wendy. Uh, she said, yeah, I think it's relevant. It's actually very relevant, right? Because here's why it's relevant. If the port director was previously fired because the port had been in the worst financial position ever and was hemorrhaging money and there was no, you know, no plan and how to turn that around, how to make it happen. What has Mr. Paul Hurlston done since he was fired to put himself in better stead now, right? To go back into the port and number one, ensure that that hemorrhaging doesn't start to happen again. And that whatever mistakes he may have made the first time around were learnt, lessons learnt, and he won't be making them again. You see, this is why, as Caymanians, we will always have a problem. People are nice people. Mr. Hurlston seems like a nice guy. Being a nice person should not be part of the job criteria for going into the port and being an effective leader. So the way to have answered this question was not to ignore the question, not to beg the media's indulgence to, oh, let's focus on rainbow and sprinkles on your cupcake, hairy fairy, you know, um, all this kind of foolishness. Oh, let's just focus on the way forward. Well, what is the way forward? If you can't learn from your mistakes, folks, right? How can you talk about the way forward? Did the board not ask him during the interview process? Sir, the last time you were here, you were actually fired from this job. We want to rehire you, but explain to us what lessons you've learned. What's going to be different so that we don't have to fire you again? What's your plan of action? 
to pull the port out of the hot mess that it's in. You don't talk about, oh, let, let uh, indulge me. We seek your indulgence. Let's just ignore that. It is a very relevant question. Things like during the 14 years that he was there, why were there no standard operating procedures done for anything at the port? Why was the equipment under his tenure, despite the port hemorrhaging so much money, why were they not upgrading and replacing equipment that's putting guys' lives in danger? So those are the questions, folks. That's what I would have loved to have heard. I would have loved to Mr. for Mr. Hurlson, instead of him saying, oh, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to, um, what, what did he say? I'm, I'm going to defer that to somebody else. You don't defer it. You're the leader. You're the new person at the port. How can you possibly be deferring such an important question? Huh. You know, when Klein Glidden said earlier that they were putting the PD recruitment process on hold, remember that was the first lie I said the man told? I want y'all to listen to something. Because this is what this is why you don't have a press conference. This is why sometimes you keep your mouth shut. Because if you said something previously, and then you hold a press conference and you say something else, it's going to come back to bite you. Listen to these clips very, very carefully. Huh? Here we go. One of the problems of finding a full-time um, uh, person was that most of the people who were applying for the jobs weren't Caymanian or didn't have the necessary expertise. At least this is what I've been told by the board. As you know, I'm not involved in the hiring process because once somebody was not selected and went out for tender, I asked the question as well. And one of the, one of the hopes that the government wants is to find a Caymanian to, to fill that post that who has the best amount of experience. Wow. So I just told you a few minutes ago that Klein Glidden is a liar. That's not a matter of opinion. That is a matter of fact. So that was a previous show where the minister called into the show and said what he was told by the board. Number one, the majority of people who applied were not Caymanian. That is a lie. They were all Caymanians. Hmm? And what else, what else did he say? They weren't all that One of the problems of finding a full-time um, uh, person was that most of the people who were applying for the jobs weren't Caymanian or didn't have the necessary expertise. At least this is what I've been told by the board. As you know, I'm not involved in the hiring process. Okay, they didn't have the necessary expertise. One of the people who applied was Mr. Pearl, Paul Hurlston, who you have now hired. Now listen to what was said yesterday. Juxtapose that position. And again, the minister saying, well, that's what he was told by the board. And this is why I said to the minister before, you are being taken for a fool. If you're going to sit down and believe everything that Klein Glidden says to you, because here's yet another example of where the man is clearly a liar. Um, when the board was appointed in late last year, we decided to do an assessment. We went through a, a recruitment process and it was determined to take a bit of a, a break from the, the actual recruitment before actually getting a director in place because the board wanted to assess the deficiencies, what was most important to the board, because that would obviously play an important role in making 
the decision in terms of the selection um, because there was a, a feel of, of strong candidates at that stage, um, which we've, we've done. We're happy to, to announce, um, Mr. Helston, we think that this is exactly what the port needed at this point in time. So weak candidates is what the minister was originally told by the board. Lots of non-Caymanians, and they were weak candidates. They were all Caymanians, and now, according to the same man who would have told the minister that, they were strong candidates. Which is it exactly? <sighs> Let's continue. Mr. Hilston, can you tell us what's different today to what was what what was occurring then, which when you left, like what's different now as to why you've come back? I think we the, the board had went through was went through a phase where there were a number of acting and and port directors, and I I believe that my return will provide some stability to the staff, to the board, in terms of the operations of the port. Um, that is one of the reasons that one of the reasons that I am back. Will Will any other ex um, official ex senior management team lead people that have left recently be coming back, such as Mr. Joey or Mr. Williams? I can't answer that question. Well, the, the appropriate process is a recruitment um, mm. exercise needs to be done. Um, so I think it'd be actually inappropriate if anybody answers that because there's an assumption mm. of influence. Um, so mm -hmm. uh, then they need to talk about the HR manager who's coming back, but let's continue. I'm quite sure. Regardless if a person works somewhere before or not, the panel who makes that assessment will make the determination on the benefit or the, the negative to whether a person has been there before. And obviously the port board and their process has made that assessment and determined whatever past history for Mr. Mr. Host. And uh, there has no bearing on his opportunity to do what he has to do now. And I expect that Mr. Host um, will do the same with his hiring with everybody below his ranks that he has the responsibility for. Okay. Um, Wendy, I think the chairman has a follow-up. Okay, just, fine. Just to answer, Wendy, in terms of um, positions and, and potential, as the, as the Honourable Minister rightly said, um, there's a process to be followed. The, the director will be responsible for ensuring the recruitment and the most suitable people are hired in those positions. But it's important to note that the port is a pretty specialized operation and that there is a limited pool of individuals. We pride ourselves on so far being able to remain 100% Caymanian. Um, but there is a position, for example, of Deputy Director of Operations, which is a pretty specialized position. There's a Deputy Director of Finance, and there's also the Deputy Director position of, of admin. As those positions are advertised, we don't know who will mm. be um, applying for those. We hope that the most suitable candidates are that, that the country has to offer will apply, mm. and that mm. the process will determine if they're selected or not. There's there's been a lot of um sort of down the lower down the ranks has been an awful lot of unrest at the port for quite some time. It's not a new thing. With um, I mean, do we think it is to do with the fact that there just isn't enough staff, and that that, that the port does need to recruit a lot more people at the, the bottom level, like that? All right. So let's talk about some of that unrest that Wendy mentions. Right. Uh, for example, there is a pending lawsuit. There's pending legal um, action against the port for what those port workers say, and these are the guys, you know, out on the port, the port workers, what they say is issues with um, them being shorted, 
during vacation time, shorted their pay and all sorts of stuff. I've, I've seen the, the uh, lawyer's letter in relation to that. And folks, that actually began under the tenure of Mr. Pearl Hurlston. So again, when he talks about this stability that he brought to the port, I'm not saying his entire 14 years, but issues existed from then that at yesterday's press conference, it would have been nice if we had gotten a real answer as to what Mr. Hurlston plans to do to address those issues and not this 30-second clip of, oh, I'm bringing back stability to the port. Because the truth is, there was not as much stability under the end of his tenure as one would think. Now, it probably was better than the hot mess that's been going on since this board has taken over, where you've had three, four acting port directors in the space of just a couple months. I'll give him that. I mean, yes. But let us turn our mind, if you will, to what was said at the time that the PPM-led government got rid of Mr. Hurlston. I'm I'm referring now to the CMR article dated May the 29th, where we say Hurlston to return to CI Port Authority, question mark. Hurlston's departure over six years ago caused a stir because they, meaning the board at the time, did not renew his six-year contract and placed him on gardening leave in February of 2015, months before his contract was due to expire. In a statement at the time, Then board chairman, Errol Bush, told the media that Deloitte's review of the current organizational structure was meant to put the port back in a better financial position. Hmm. The PPM-led government and port director said that the port was losing millions of dollars per year and could not continue on that trend. Auditor General Alastair Swarbrick noted in his evaluation of the agency's financial statements between 2011 and 2013 that the losses prompted significant concern about the port's ability to continue operating. Y'all heard that? Significant concerns about the port's ability to continue operating. The Port Authority reported significant financial losses in two consecutive fiscal years in the 2012 and 2013 years, and the public agency lost more than $2.6 million. Now, keep in mind that this was an agency traditionally who was making money for government, and they went from that position to being in the hole some $2.6 million with no relief in sight. And nobody thinks that you're going to have this press conference announcing this man is back. Let's welcome him back and not talk about what went wrong, why he had to leave, why he was fired in the first place. What lessons he has learned. Has Mr. Paul upscaled himself since leaving the port? Has he done any financial management courses? I think he said something about he actually has a financial background. And yet this still happens? I also have a question about his pay because 
when he left, they cut the salary down from 180,000, the salary range from 180,000 to $204,000. When Clement Reed took it over, they decreased it to 123,000 to 173. So the high end was lower than what his low end was before. What salary are they bringing uh, Mr. Hurlston back at? Just wondering. I don't have a lot of confidence um, after listening to this press conference yesterday. I must tell you, I, I, I didn't get a lot of confidence from Mr. Hurlston himself. There were questions that he simply just, he didn't answer any of the questions. <laughs> you know, even, even Wendy's last question about what's going to be different. Oh, you know, stability. That, that's not a real answer. Why did you leave? What can we expect to change? No answer. Deferred it to the minister who said, don't ask the question, basically. This, this is a problem because already the tune that has been set and you're working for the board, already the tune that has been set, folks, is that, you know, he's going to be a pushover. The board is going to be running the show as usual. They're going to continue doing that. And not a whole lot is going to change. Yes, the guys at the port liked Mr. Hurlston. That's not, this isn't about likability. And I don't want anyone confusing my comments here this morning for whether I like Mr. Hurlston or not. Like I said, I don't even know Mr. Hurlston, but he looks like a really nice grandpa. He looks like a nice guy. But that has nothing to do with your suitability for the task at hand. And the port is in a tailspin. The worst it's ever been. Morale is low. Everything is horrible. Lawsuits that have been there since you were there. Standard operating procedure wasn't in place from then. A lot of the issues that the port is now having are legacy issues that were under his tenure. And some may have been addressed, some may not have been addressed, and the ball just keeps rolling. Now, when they just ask a question about people returning to the port, I talked to you about the HR manager. I don't know if Wendy heard that either, if she heard that as well. Maybe that's where the question is stemming from. So yesterday, someone said to me that Joey is going to be going back. And um, what's the name of the other fellow there? Joey and um, his, his deputy. Um, oh, gosh, I can't remember his name now. Anyway, the two that recently resigned, the top two brass would be going back. And I thought that was a very peculiar thing to say because we know Joey made it very clear why he resigned. And it's because of two members on the board, AKA Jackie and Richard Parchment. They were the two that remained from the old board. And he said he cannot continue to work under them because at every angle, check the minutes folks, check his resignation letter at every angle, they were attempting to undermine him and he just had had enough. So he resigned from acting port director position and he also resigned um, from the port entirely. So this question of, oh, he might be returning is a very interesting question. And this is what someone called me yesterday. Oh, yes, they have it in good authority. You know, not all sources are good. And I said, that, that doesn't even make any sense. Why would he return when the board remains the same? Oh, no, no, I'm telling you he's coming back. This is what my source said. And I reached out to Mr. Joey myself and said, there's a rumor afoot, sir that you will be returning to the port. And he basically said, no, that rumor is completely false. So he's not returning. So I don't know who else, Wendy, other than the HR manager that was fired as well, 
Um, I don't know who, who else is coming back. I don't know if they broke their deal with Wilhelm. Uh, maybe he's going to go back. Actual people that do the work. Chairman? Yeah, from an operational standpoint, obviously we're limited with our expertise at an operational level, but we can say at the board level that we have approved the recommended organizational structures, including the staff at the lower level. We give full support to the authority in terms of its staffing requirements. And, you know, as a part of the assessment, uh, we, we think that some of that um, discontentment with has been because of administrative senior level positions not being filled. Uh, for an organization to have the number of, you know, close to 170 staff members without a strong HR department, um, without a deputy director with responsibility. Obviously that's a significant concern for the board. And we think that addressing that area will address a lot of the, the staffing concerns that, that have existed. Just, just a quick, just final question now really about infrastructure. I couldn't hear very well what you were saying. Obviously we're all agreed that the uh, cruise birthing facilities are off the board, even though you were a big supporter. Um, can we just <laughs> clarify what you mean by can I just pause it right there? Wendy is so salty that I really have to love it. She reminds you all, right? In just that split second, those of you who fought against the last administration about the port um, expansion and the cruise birthing and all that kind of stuff, she reminds you that this Pat government, the minister, has appointed as the chair of the port authority someone, Mr. Klein Glidden, CG himself, who was actually in support of that very same project. The, the irony, if you just missed it, because she can be really quick with some of the things that she says, is not lost on me. It is beyond ironic. Enhancing the customer cruise experience and what does that mean for cargo? Like, are we going to have to build a new cargo port so that we can import even more stuff to put in the landfill? Or are we going to live with, try and live with what we've got and not build any more? So, so when, when we talk about enhancements, um, we, we think of things like in, ensuring that there are shading facilities. Um, we've always seen, all seen the long lines of, of our, our guests, ensuring that the guest experience um, as a premier tourist destination remains that the first and last impression that is given of Cayman is going to be um, a positive one. And so we look at a, you know, improving on the existing experience from our guests and the same for cargo, um, reducing wait times, you know, improving delivery times for cargo. Um, in terms of port enhancements, I've made it very clear, you know, my, my position as a policymaker was one position. I'm not in a position of a, as a policymaker now. I follow instructions and instructions where clearly from this administration was there won't be any cruise um, peer enhancements. And that's what the board is happily working with. Thank you, Wendy. Thanks. Uh, I'd like to now call. All right, folks, uh, let's stop it there. Um, super interesting indeed. And um, he says that, you know, basically he was part of a government that supported it, but he's no longer in that position. All right, a few comments. We're going to be switching gears here shortly. Louise says, sweet lips, L-M-A-O. Jonathan says they need someone like me running for government. I'm a terrible liar. 
Uh, Nola says, was hoping to see Miss Beth Macfield confirmed as the PD. She's very effective and actually replied to the concerns of small business owners. Um, of course, Beth never applied for the position because the position, to be very clear, was never re-advertised. So I want y'all to understand what this announcement, what precipitated the announcement yesterday, this press conference, is this was from like almost a year ago when they initially advertised the position, when this board went in. And they said none of those people were qualified, all Caymanians. They didn't like any of the candidates. Now they've gone back. They were supposed to re-advertise the position. They didn't. So Beth McField or anybody else has not applied or had the opportunity even to apply for this job because it was never re-advertised. Now, I don't think she would apply for it anyway after uh, the treatment that she received. But, you know, one will never know. Uh, Vernita says, who do I think should run the port? A qualified Caymanian. Ryan says, give the man a chance. Give Caymanians a chance. Don't judge him. Don't go by looks. Well, when you, um, Ryan, are in a leadership position, right, you've got to come with certain things, including the confidence to be able to speak to people. If they're, listen, if they're going to parade you like a monkey in front of cameras um, for a press conference, then you need to come with your A-game. I was sitting at the chamber luncheon yesterday hearing people at my table talk about how some of the presenters needed to do public speaking courses because they were not impressed with their ability to deliver a speech. And they're like, listen, these people are big people in organizations getting a big fat salary. There's certain things that you expect, Ryan, um, of, and I don't care whether they're a Caymanian or not, you should have certain expectations of leadership, of leaders. And when they don't deliver, then, you know, a lot of us are going, eh, okay, let's see what we're in for for round 20. Maybe what they should have done yesterday is not have paraded him in front of an audience to begin with. So that Wendy and all the rest of us get to mull over his choice as a, uh, as a, as the final candidate for port director post. Maybe that was just a poor, I don't know, like I said, who advised the minister that was a good idea, but maybe that's where they went wrong. Just get the man in there and start doing some work so we can see some results and have something positive to talk about as it relates to the port in the first place. You have this press conference and then 90% of the questions you can't even answer. And that's just the first set of questions from Wendy. So I hope you guys recognize the importance of what's being said here. And again, this has nothing to do with Mr. Paul on a personal level. I do not know the man. Like I said, he seems like a nice person, but having effective leadership skills and the ability to get a job done has nothing to do with whether you're a nice person or not. Flashpoint says you're making the case for the minister himself to submit his resignation. Well, I'm not saying that either because I think the minister is relying on, like, like he said in the previous clip, the board told me X, Y, Z. Now the board themselves are getting up saying the complete opposite of what they told the minister before. Something is wrong. Ms. Darlene says, uh, says uh, maybe some, most, or all of our government, government authority directors, managers, and other higher-ups are yes-men and busy fighting down, victimizing, and bully, bullying whistleblowers that are shining the light on all wrongdoings that uh, they're found doing. Also, maybe they're taking care of their friends, family, and some, most, or all of the business owners. Maybe our government, our country cannot get down, cannot get done right. Okay. 
maybe because some, most or all of the MPs and our government higher ups and then your message got caught off. Jonathan says, putting down a few skinny palm trees and small umbrellas, umbrellas uh, is their idea of shaded area. What a mess. All right, folks, listen. That's all I can say about the port situation. Monday, we'll talk a bit more about the second half of the press conference, which was the LAX route. That was that was a bit more interesting um, from the perspective of a bit of good news. And I'm excited for Kim and Airways. Hopefully, they've done all the hard work in terms of making sure the numbers are going to make sense. And uh, on Monday, we're also going to show you some a video clip of uh, a thief that's on the loose um, visiting some tourist shops in town, so we can keep an eye out for her. But let's go ahead and take a news break. Kevin is going to bring us up to date on today's news headlines. And then don't touch that dial because we've got some guests joining us from Home Gas, and uh, we got a lot to talk about with them as well. Lots of things going on in the world of propane. You'd be surprised, honey child. Keep it locked. We'll be right back after these messages. Hello, I'm Kevin Watler in for Misha Allinger. You're watching the CMR Daily Buzz. Cayman Airways will be flying non-stop from Grand Cayman to Los Angeles International Airport beginning November 5th. Once it begins, Cayman Airways will be the only Caribbean airline providing direct services from LAX. The flight will take just under six hours to reach LAX and will offer 160 seats on each flight. Tourism Minister the Honorable Kenneth Bryan announced that Paul Hurston has been appointed as the new Director of the Port Authority. This took effect on June 27th. Mr. Hurston is no stranger to the Port Authority, having previously served in the role for 14 years. Mr. Hurston will oversee all harbor operations and the development of the Authority's annual budget. He will also have responsibility for ensuring the organization is appropriately resourced to operate safely and efficiently. Customs and Border Control trainee Jose Rico has been arrested on suspicion of rape in relation to an incident that occurred last month. Following a query from CMR, the RCIPS, while not naming Rico, confirmed that on Wednesday, June 29th, a man aged 30 of Bodentown was arrested on suspicion of rape in relation to an incident that was reported on June 20th involving a person known to him. The police said he is currently on bail as the investigation continues. CBC has also confirmed that a member of staff has been arrested and the arrest is in relation to an ongoing police investigation. Now for a COVID update, according to Public Health, key indicators have improved over the past week with the case rate decreasing by 14%. The seven-day rolling average has fallen from 62 to 53 cases and no new deaths were reported. Since the beginning of the pandemic, 29 people have passed away with COVID. Six new hospitalizations were registered over the past week, which is a decrease from 10 in the previous week. Of the six new admissions, one was admitted due to COVID-19 morbidity and five were patients detected on screening. A total of 14 patients required inpatient treatment, which increased from 12 patients in the previous week. Her Majesty's Cayman Islands Prison Service, in conjunction with the University of the West Indies Open Campus, hosted its inaugural awards ceremony after the signing of the Memorandum of Understanding in August 2021. Certificates were presented to 46 graduates who had successfully completed their programs. 
This year saw nine officers receiving certificate in supervisory management, and of the 37 inmates graduating, eight were females from the Fairbanks Prison and 29 males from Northward Prison. Certificates ranged from the introduction to computers and small business management to basic English language courses, with some inmates receiving more than one. British Prime Minister Boris Johnson has resigned as leader of the Conservative Party under pressure from lawmakers in his own party. His resignation comes as he faces public distrust and mounting discontent from his own party and government. Johnson decided to quit after a crushing number of his lawmakers said he was no longer fit to govern just a month after he survived a vote of confidence. Dozens of ministers in Johnson's government resigned over the past 24 hours as a cascade of scandals finally caught up with the prime minister. In remarks outside 10 Downing Street, Johnson said it was a painful moment. Johnson's decision to step down as leader of the ruling Conservative Party will trigger a leadership race with the winner set to become the United Kingdom's fourth Prime Minister in the six years since the 2016 Brexit referendum. Johnson said he planned to remain in office until its successor is chosen. More information on each of these stories can be found at caymanmallroad.com. Now for your CMR weather update, it's brought to you by WG Charters. Sunrise at 5.53, scattered thunderstorms expected. It will heat up to the high 80s. Winds east-northeast at 10 to 20 miles per hour. The sun sets at 7.07. Overnight, a few clouds will pass by from time to time, and it cools to the low 80s. High tides at 4.17 a.m. and 6.23 p.m., and the low tide at 11.09 a.m. Looking forward, similar weather conditions are expected. It's summertime, so hot days and warm nights with brief scattered showers expected this time of year. CMR weather updates are brought to you by WG Charters. They offer private boat trips for a great price, so we encourage you to support them. Thanks for watching The Daily Buzz. Please stay safe and God bless. folks uh welcome back to the program it is again friday july the 8th thank you guys so much for tuning in a big shout out to all of our bobo 89.1 listeners i know that they're always there because they tell me everywhere i go hey sandy i'm listening to you on bobo 89.1 fm all right folks we got some guests i'm excited to have in the studio this is their first time actually being here you know we love first time guests we have john corello who's joining us from home gas good morning john hi sandy how are you I'm doing great. And Chris Terrell is also joining us. Morning, Chris. How are you? Morning. Good. How are you? Awesome. This is part of the management over at Home Gas. And there's actually a lot that has been happening uh, specific to Home Gas. And then I feel like just the world of propane is always interesting. Um, you know, I used to watch that show, guys, uh, King of the Hill. Anybody ever watch that? And you had the little propane man there. Um, what was his name again? Mr. Hill. Thank you. Hank Hill, yes, and he loved him some propane, child. Um, and these guys are kind of like they're kind of like the king of the hill when it comes to propane here in the Cayman Islands. They know everything in the world of propane. They're on the cutting edge. But some of what we're going to talk about today is setting a few rumors to bed, uh, talking about you know what's happening uh, sort of structurally 
at-home gas. There's a lot they have going on. You know, they're upgrading their facility, which is an amazing upgrade that's going to offer more efficiency and safety. And then safety is one of the big things that we're also going to focus on this morning because I was shocked to find out. And John, I hope that you have some of those photos handy that you've shown me. Um, what some of you all are doing when it comes to installing and using your propane tanks. Basically, you're taking your own lives uh, in your own hands, and that's not a good idea. Trust me. So let's start off first. Um, we saw recently in local media, and you know, this is something that I'd heard. We hadn't even gotten a chance to put out the story yet, but big shout out to CNS. Apparently, they beat us to the punch, and they put out a story that home gas is actually being acquired by the Fosters Group. So tell us, John, is that true or not? And what can you say about the acquisition at this stage? Uh, yes, it is true, Sandy. Um, we're in the late stages of an acquisition, a transfer of ownership from, a, I know, one great Caymanian family to Bottoms, um, who we all respect and had a, we enjoyed working for them and they did a wonderful job at Home Gas for the last 65 years. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, we're switching over to another strong Caymanian family, uh, very respectful. And I mean, everything we've seen so far, they plan on keeping uh, the same tradition that home gas has had all along, uh, being very community active and we're in a, safety is the number one priority. They're very strong in safety, for sure. Yep. So wh why is this even, I mean, some people seem to think this is a, um, uh, I guess, I don't know, controversial acquisition. It seems like it's probably, you know, pretty logical choice. Um, like you said, the Fosters Group, they, they actually own a lot. And I think maybe people don't know all of the different um, sort of lines of business that they're involved in. Like people just think, oh, Fosters Grocery Store. And in fact, you know, they own car dealerships. They own all sorts of stuff. Um, so this is just a part of their corporate acquisition. So I guess from the perspective of management, you guys probably think it's not that much of a big deal. Uh, why do you think maybe the general public might believe that it is? And is it still subject to approval by Offreg? Yeah, we're, we're in the late stages of uh, Offreg approval. They've done a draft approval. And then we, the next thing we need to, to do is, um, you know, off, we have to respond to some questions for Offreg and then it will be the final decision by Offreg. But I don't think there will be any I don't, I don't see any uh, reason why they would mm -hmm. stop the acquisition. I mean, you got, there's really no reason, but as far as uh, Foster's group, Foster's group, I mean, they have Progressive, they have Car City, you know, they have Avis. Um, they do a lot of um, commodity type, you know, grocery stores are basically a commodity. They consider, I mean, propane is a commodity, so they're good at distribution. They want to be good at, you know, they're, good at customer service and the logistics behind, uh, you know, distribution. And so they thought it was a great fit for their businesses. Mm -hmm. And now you're going to have an entire team um, that is behind you as well in terms of a larger team in, in any event, everything from the IT infrastructure, automation and so on. So I'm sure you're looking forward to some of those elements now being available to you that fall under the Fosters group as well, right? Yeah, it'll definitely help with a lot of the day-to-day -day operations with like HR and um, telecom and that kind of stuff where, and also just, I mean, just have a bigger group you're working with. So even like insurance costs and that kind of stuff, you have probably get better rates and everything so uh -huh. can help. It'll help with the operation quite a bit. Right. 
Awesome. All right. Well, that sounds like good news, um, folks. We'll, I mean, update you if anything else happens in relation to that. But again, um, subject to final approval by Offreg, but no uh, foreseen issues in terms of that aspect of it. So let's talk about safety because we are um, in hurricane season. Uh, thankfully, knock on wood, we haven't had any major storms yet. But of course, there's always predictions for, you know, seven or eight major um, storms for the year. And there's a lot that goes into safety when it comes to the usage of propane, the installation of propane and all this sort of stuff. You guys know I'm a propane user. I am, for full disclosure, a home gas customer and I have been for many, many, many years. Uh, you know, when I was in my apartment and like everybody else, I kept selling the cost of everything going up. I was doing a kitchen renovation and I thought, hmm. Now is my time, you know, since I'm going to be replacing appliances and whatever, now is the perfect time for me to actually get a gas stove and to go with propane. And I made that decision at that particular time to do so. And to be honest, I've never looked back. So when we acquired a new house, we're like, yep, we're going with propane again. We got the propane um, stove. We got the propane dryer. We got the tankless propane water heater. Uh, we just got a backup generator, propane again, you know, all these Propane options will certainly reduce your cost, folks, and you know reduce your carbon footprint as well when it comes to the traditional um, methods of using fossil fuel. But um, when when you talk about you know some of the automation that's happening, I know that one of the big things that you've got in the works and it's been going on for quite some time is the existing location of your plant, which is right off of Walker's Road, has been going undergoing a substantial. Um, renovation and upgrade. Tell us a little bit about that. And then I want to move on to the safety element, which is a major concern as we move in to not just hurricane season, but overall safety concerns. Um, well, I mean, the plant, I, I mean, the last time you were with interviewing us uh, happened to be during the earthquake, as you remember, mm -hmm. um, here at Home Gas. And it was, uh, you heard the phones ringing off the hook. It was scary for everyone at Home Gas. Mm -hmm. uh, when that happened, we were at that time in the process of um, doing a renovation of our plant mm -hmm. um, where we were going to take the existing tanks out of the plant, um, inspect them. It's a, ten, a part of a 10 year process. You have to do every 10 years, um, inspect the tanks and then resurface them, repaint them and then put them back into the plant. Well, when we had the earthquake, um, it made everyone think a little more about what kind of safety we had with the existing plant. The existing plant was built to the old, older design specs, um, and just the, the bottoms being very con uh, conscious about safety. And you know, everybody lives in this area, so um, all of them are neighbors to the plant. They don't want anything unsafe. We uh, re-looked at the plant, got a couple of really good engineers to come in and take a look at it, and structurally, we decided to redo the plant, um, making it uh, what is called earthquake proof or mm -hmm. uh, in one piece of concrete three feet thick uh, i think it's seven thousand psi concrete um and then the walls coming up the sides start at uh 30 inches and go up to like 24 inches or 36 inches to 24 inches at the top and then we're going to fill it with dirt we're going to have crawl spaces underneath so that we can get to any of the pipe work everything will have uh, a fire system sprinkler system It'll be fully automated um, with also manual shutdowns. So if something happens in the middle of the night when no one's here, the, syst the system will actually be able to shut itself down and uh, activate the fire system and call the fire department. And it's a 
a major, it'll be the most advanced propane plant I've ever seen, probably better than any plant in the U.S. or definitely anything in the Caribbean. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, that, that sounds um, pretty impressive. Now, you know, you guys are big on safety. Obviously, safety at your plant is, is one element of it. But there's also a concern when it comes to safety of what uh, the end consumer is doing in their homes and, you know, even who they're getting to assist with insulation of their propane um, facility, you know, tanks and so on. So Salvin says, I don't know your guests from home gas, but have worked with their field workers and had a very good experience. Um... Let's see here, Jonathan, um, a little bit off topic there, talking about the supermarkets and shipping. All right, so let's try to keep it on topic here, folks. So um, home installs, I understand that this is a problem. Now, I, I can't imagine anyone thinking that they have the necessary expertise to install anything related to propane themselves. Like I, I just, that, that, Talks me, but apparently it's happening. Um, yes, I would like, I'll let Chris take this yourself, subject for a minute. Yourself, kids, what what is this, Chris? <laughs> it's it's an interesting uh, an interesting situation, uh, as you kind of you covered already. Um, the sheer cost of living increases. Um, people are looking at their household budgets. They're saying that electricity is more expensive, mm -hmm. uh, and it, it makes sense to switch to propane. Short, mm -hmm. medium, long term, you are going to be saving cash um and what's cheaper than doing it yourself uh, unfortunately it's not like installing or building a cabinet it's not really a diy kind of project um the caveat to that is that you are able to source the materials locally uh from various different retail outlets um and so people are in a position that they're able to buy regulators they're able to buy hoses uh, emphasis on the word hose um that is then able to carry propane from a tank to an appliance inside your house. Uh, and the main issue we're finding is that the hose, uh, typically a, a garden hose or a rubber hose, it's just not a safe enough vessel to carry propane. Uh, it's, it, 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 at, some, at some stage, it will have repercussions that we're looking and we're very keen to avoid. Wow. So, so let, me, let me just be very clear in what you're saying here. So you've got people who um, take it upon themselves to do their own, uh, sort of run their own conduit from the tank inside their homes. Correct. Right, and they're using, what kind of hoses are these? Uh, it's a rubber hose for the most part, but we have come across rubber garden hose. hoses. Literally people that have got a pair of garden shears that have cut the end of a hose off and connected it from the tank on the one side uh, and the appliance on the other side. Um, glorified elastic bands just to secure it in place. Uh, it's it's just not safe enough in this day and age uh, for us in clear conscience to, to want to and to be able to deliver propane. Uh, do we have any pictures? Can you bring up any pictures, John, of what we're talking about? Because using a garden hose um, to, to run your, your propane connection to me sounds crazy. Um, and and what, what, are, what's, what can happen if something goes wrong here? What are we talking about? Um, uh, in, all right, so go ahead. Go ahead, I was say, Obviously, worst case scenario is uh, is something that nobody wants. Um, a water a water leak is quite straightforward. It's drip drip. Uh, a propane leak is not quite so. Um, it doesn't have the the drip drip aspect. Uh, and so, 
yeah, we, we just simply want to avoid any gas leak whatsoever. Uh, and so in doing so, we would rather have a safe, secure two code installation from the get go. Hmm. Wow. Um, John, do you have any pictures that you can show us of, of what these rigs look like? So people, folks, to be very, very you, clear. Are you seeing the pictures? Oh, yes. yes. I see one there. Okay. okay so, that, so I mean, one thing about rubber and the reason why rubber hose is not allowed into a house is the rubber is not a, uh, it's a permeable material. So it, it allows air to go through it and it allows propane to go through it. So it'll always have some leaking on a rubber hose, no matter what. So if you have a house that's closed up for a while or no one's in it, there will be propane leaking from that hose. There's that's much the same way as a, as a balloon lets out air. The balloon goes down over time just because the air gets through it. It's the same with propane. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean that's a, that's why rubber is flexible, right? It'll, it has air pockets and um, it allows it to be elastic. And, right. Do you uh, have any other pictures that we can see? Because some of what you showed me before, I was I was really well, there's shocked. a rubber hose coming right out of. Oh right, there's another one. Oh my god! You can see it's connected with a just a regular like regular hose fitting connector. Yes. Oh screw on connector. Yeah, I remember propane um, going into the house is probably somewhere between around two psi. I mean, these fittings are not made for two PSI. And then uh, if something happens to the regulator, if someone's not using a proper regulator, they might be getting up to 150 PSI into their house. Uh, obviously, if there's any kind of fire, uh, the rubber's gonna melt right away and then you're gonna have a major problem in the house with the propane. Yeah. I mean, there's plenty of uh, good installers on island. There's, you know, there's our competitor, Clean Gas, is, you know, knows what they're doing. Obviously, Go Gas, that's what all they do is installs. Um, a lot of the plumbing companies are very certified or very uh -huh. qualified to do a uh, propane installs, but we suggest um, definitely using someone who knows propane and knows the safety of propane uh -huh. because using rubber hoses is just going to end up eventually being a problem. I mean, you can uh -huh. see this one's really bad. Wow. I mean, that, that barely looks like that little clamp. Just go back to that one previously there. That little clamp is supposed to be securing it and nothing's leaking out. Yeah, I mean, there's no way. It's obviously going to leak. Wow. That's kind of crazy. So, yeah. I mean, both both companies, we, we've come to an agreement that we've become um, a little, a lot more strict. Uh, mm -hmm. We're telling customers we just, we're refusing to make deliveries to these installations mm -hmm. anymore. Yeah, uh, good. Just because it's such a safety concern for us. And right. um, it's a safety concern for the people that live in these places. We understand there's... Um, sometimes some financial issues with getting the work done and we're willing to help, um, you know, keep the cost down as much as possible. Safety is more of a concern than the cost of things for us. Um, but we can't do something we knowingly, we know is not safe. Mm -hmm. Wow. So Scott um, EB says, this again highlights a lack of oversight on many industries in Cayman. This should require a licensed professional and a signed inspection. Otherwise, significant fines as you're potentially creating a bomb. So, um, yeah, Scott, this is this is quite shocking. Um, and uh, I think we've just been fortunate that there hasn't been a major incident as yet. I, I, think, I think one of the things here is uh, because it's a warm climate, you know, mm -hmm. people are in and out of their houses a lot. Doors are open, windows are open. So it helps keep some ventilation going. Um, so it's probably one of the things that has saved an accident from occurring. 
because it's surprising that one hasn't happened with the amount of installations. Wow. And how, how prevalent is this problem, by the way? Like what, all how, those, all those pictures are from the last two days. Whoa. Elray has a question. He says, but aren't rubber hoses used on barbecue grills? Yes. Rubber hoses are approved for certain outdoor appliances, including barbecue grills. Um, but that's why it's on a, on a tank that you're supposed to shut off every time you use it. And that's, and you'll see it's in the documentation for the grill that you're supposed to shut the tank off because mm -hmm. that rubber hose does leak. Yeah. And that's, that's different as well as, I mean, the size of some of your tanks, uh, tell us a little bit about what sizes we're talking about here, but that's, that's going to be a lot different than just a barbecue grill tank as well. Right. Just to, to raise point, uh, emphasizing that obviously it's outdoor. Um, so the, the gas, the barbecue, the cylinder, it's all outside. If there was a leak, it dissipates through the ventilation, through the air. If the rubber hose is inside, then obviously that's where you don't have the ventilation for any sort of gas leak to, uh, to escape. Right. Crazy. And those rubber hoses are made for propane for that purpose. And yeah, and, and the, these examples that you're showing us, these are just, people just go and pick up a rubber hose. It's not even yeah. um, made for purpose. So it's a different type of, of rubber hose. They're, they're on the shelves in the hardware stores. That's crazy. So Jonathan is asking who's installing them. Is it the gas company or the resident of the property? So to be clear, it's definitely not the gas company. The gas company is not doing these installations. No. Uh, these are either people who are doing DIY, do-it-yourself kind of rigs. Um, do we have any indication that any other companies are doing it on their behalf, or are these pretty much just, you know, people thinking they know what they're doing? I think it's all do DIY, do-it-yourself yeah. people. I mean, that's yeah. Wow. But um, I think that Scott makes up a good point about regulation of this so as an industry you and your competitor you said have pretty much agreed that you cannot continue because the liability involved you um cannot continue to provide propane to when you go to a site like this and you see this you're going to say to them hey you need to go and get a proper um you know proper equipment properly set up um facility to put into a tank is there any government oversight at all? Is there anybody who is signing off on these or who has to regulate propane installations at all? Is there anything? If it's done properly, you'd get a permit and you know go through the whole planning process. Mm -hmm. um, and then it would have to meet the requirements of uh, NFPA 54, 58. Then it would, it, would, it would work fine. But um, these are people that are not necessarily getting a permit or um, or they're replacing an electric uh, stove and that has kind of a loophole area where you can, you're just replacing an appliance and you can replace it with propane. But I mean, this is pretty much people that are not doing it through the the regular process of planning because it wouldn't, it wouldn't, this would not go through planning for sure. Mm -hmm. Right right now, we can only work retrospectively. Um, ultimately, this is probably a hobbyist that's doing it on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, and so we can't then guarantee or we can't oversee the work that somebody's doing outside of our delivery zone. Um, right. What we can do is when they request the propane, when we come to deliver the propane, we can say, hey, sorry, this isn't as safe as we would like it to be. Uh, and we kind of stop that source. Mm-hmm. 
Wow. Folks, this is a very, very dangerous practice. Um, please, we, we don't want you guys to be making the news here on CMR that your house has exploded or someone has died in your home because of a gas leak. Um, you know, it's not going to be worth it in the end. So just have the professionals do your installation for you is the point. Um, home gas can certainly assist with that. There are other professionals, which they've mentioned. There's um, uh, Go Gas, which is Raymond. I think he used to actually work for home gas at one point. He branched out into his own business and all they do are installations and they know, you know, what they what they should be doing in terms of um, the material to be used, as well as sometimes even the placement of your tank. Like these things actually matter. I was telling you guys recently that you know we um, had a uh, a situation where we've you know upgraded our tank uh, with home gas because now we have a um, a backup generator. And big shout out to the guys over at Corporate Electric as well as Home Gas because it was one of those things where it was like, like okay, here are your options and where your tank can be safely placed, right? And the guy, the guys at home at um, Corporate Electric really knew quite a bit about the placement of tanks, um, you know, in relation to different elements of the building, like it needs to be so, you know, on this side, this is going to present a problem because of other piping or other things that are here. I mean, they were very, very detailed in giving Marlon the advice that he needed to make and what options were available and where to place the tank um, for the upgrade because it's a bigger tank. And of course, there was an option of even going with an underground tank, which requires much more by way of planning approvals and that sort of thing. So leave those things up to the experts. Don't be jerry-rigging stuff and thinking that you know what you're doing because you saw some video on YouTube that told you that it was easy, easy to do. Because uh, remember, everybody is an expert in YouTube until their house blows up. And then they're no longer an expert. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really good advice, Sandy. Yeah. I mean, the, the big concern with a propane tank placement is to keep it away from anything electric, which mm -hmm. is called considered a source of anything that's a source of ignition. Um, mm -hmm. So, Because you understand when the guy's filling the tank, he puts the hose on the tank. And just like when you're putting gas in your car, when you disconnect the hose, some propane vapor escapes. When that happens, you don't want it to be close to some something that could ignite that propane. And then all of a sudden, you know, he gets ignited or he get, gets caught on fire and then his hose catches on fire and then you have a problem. But that's right. why there's there are rules. I mean, the rules are there for a reason because, you know, some long time ago, someone got hurt and they make a rule to so it never happens again. And that's why yeah. the rules are there. And let's talk about that, um, because a while back there was this whole situation with a gas stove. Um, and they were talking about a leak. And I think there was some confusion about that. So, of course, you know, there are a lot of people who know that propane is safe and can save them money, but they have these sort of unsubstantiated concerns about, oh, my gosh, if I get a gas stove or get a gas dryer, um, is it going to just like blow up on me one day? And when you hear a story of an incident that does happen, that fuels your fears. Uh, pun intended, um, you know, that are probably misinformed. So set the record straight on what happened with this incident. I think it was it a couple of years ago that there was an incident. Uh, you might be talking about there was a study came out from Stanford um, saying that gas stoves are not healthy and cause oh, health right. concerns for people. Um, and I know that was picked up in a couple of news agencies and came mm -hmm. on and uh, mm -hmm. the that they forgot to mention in the article, in the study, it was about natural gas. It wasn't about propane and it was the methane leaks that occur from a natural gas. Load. 
um, can cause problems in a house and can cause uh, asthma issues for people. Mm-hmm. Uh, propane doesn't have the same uh, medical issues as uh, methane. Methane's a pollutant and it uh, causes, causes those asthma type issues for respiratory problems for people. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as a stove blowing up, I mean, it happens every once in a while when someone doesn't light their uh, stove properly or anything. I mean, it, mm-hmm. just like anything, you got to be careful. Um, obviously it lights on fire and if you get too much of it, it can cause an explosion. So the safety of propane is important, but, um, you know, all the devices are made so that if someone accidentally leaves the stove on, it's the, there's supposed to be a gas valve that shuts itself off. If it realize it has a heat sensor, if it doesn't notice heat in a certain amount of time, it shuts itself off. Mm-hmm. And as it relates to, um, you know, consumers, taking ha- taking matters into their own hands when it comes to safety. I'm aware that they're devices because we have them installed in our home close to our propane appliances as well that will um, notify you. It's kind of like a smoke detector, but it's for propane because propane is completely odorless and obviously you can't see it, right? If there's a leak. Sorry, one, one thing to comment. Um, yes. The, the propane market or the propane industry, sorry, in Cayman, it's actually more visual from a safety perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, we have tanks on your property that are adequately sized or appropriately sized, so you're never going to have too much propane that, that you can't use at your house. Um, the kind of the, the sensationalized issues, explosions, um, dramas that happen overseas invariably mm-hmm. happen with old pipeline uh, nations, countries, cities. Uh, growing up in England, we had British gas, we had a pipeline underground that had just hundreds of thousands of gallons of natural gas or propane running uh, in 50, 60, 70, 100 year old pipelines. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we don't have that in Cayman. Everything's far more visual. You can see the state of your tank. Um, to a very large extent, you can see the state of your your, your pipeline, your pipework. Uh, and so when you do have those concerns, you can act upon them way before it gets anything near too late. Mm-hmm. And they're actually um, little uh, gauges as well that you can put to kind of tell you if there's like a propane leak or anything that's happening in your home. Correct. And so yes. to your, your next question, uh, every installation has multiple shut-off valves. Mm-hmm. Um, so from tank through to the outside of the house, through to the appliance, you can probably have up to three or four different valves that can be shut off at any given time uh, that will, like a stopcock for your water, um, that will prevent gas flowing when you don't want it to flow. Um, similarly, then you can have a, a gas detector. Uh, ours are made by a brand called Kiddie, K-I-D-D-E, uh, that detects both carbon, di- uh, carbon dioxide, carbon monoxide, and propane. Uh, and so with those detectors, uh, they are stored anywhere within three feet of your appliance, um, designed to detect anything inside of your house that, uh, that obviously shouldn't be there. Right. All right. Do you have any more pictures for us, John? Yeah. So uh, since we're talking about some safety, um, here's a picture of a tank Mm -hmm. um, that if you have a tank that looks like this at your house, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we don't always get up. We don't see tanks sometimes for can be even a year or two years. uh, If a tank is starting to really show show signs of rust and hopefully be even before this point, Mm -hmm. uh, you call into the office. We'll get some people out there to take care of the situation, Mm -hmm. uh, replace the tank. And uh, um, we don't want any, unsafe tanks out in the field that's for sure um, right so want to make sure you know these are the kind of states we don't want to see tanks in when our guys go to make a delivery Mm-mm. unbelievable wow there's, 
here's the aftermath of a storm and we're talking about storm safety um you can see these tanks aren't properly uh anchored down um so i mean that's one thing chris can talk about is you, you want to make sure that your your installation is safe and um, I'll let Chris have some good points about mm -hmm. uh, propane safety for hurricane season, some things to look right. for. Yes, Chris, let's talk about it because we're we're now in hurricane season. So um, what are some of the top considerations when it comes to securing your tank and just making the, sure that you're being as safe as possible? Well, certainly now is the time to be prepared uh, before we get into the quote unquote nitty gritty uh, of hurricane season. Um, in this picture you can see that there's a tank lying down which means that it's not been appropriately strapped um, we have strapping different uh, several different types of strapping uh, for a horizontal tank you can bolt it into the ground you can strap it to the ground um, anything that's designed to withstand a storm surge uh, okay. and so uh, what we aspire to do what we need to do uh, and if there are tanks out there that haven't been then please do give us a call so we can get technicians out there uh, so that first and foremost, we can appropriately strap and secure the propane tanks. Uh -huh. uh, from there, we can also illustrate, we can point out where the shutoff valves are, um, both outside and inside the house, so that in the immediate pre-storm, you're able to head out, you're able to turn off your gas supply so that it's not coming into your house. Um, and then upshot of propane versus electric is that when there is a power outage, you can still use your appliances. Obviously, we don't recommend that in the immediacy of a storm, but when that's passed and waiting for uh, renovation, repairs, tidying up, etc., you still then have your, your source of propane, you're able to cook, you're able to heat your water, uh, and so on and so forth. Mm. Very good. So we've got a comment that's coming in on WhatsApp. This uh, listener says, good morning. I've used home gas for the past 10 years. Excellent service. Absolutely no complaints. Um, thank you for that. Uh, Jonathan says, what about people who have their tanks buried? How often does that tank need to be changed? Uh, a tank that's buried underground, if properly maintained, the anode bags are properly maintained, um, can last basically forever. Um, I think manufacturer will give you 30 to 50 years, depending on the manufacturer, um, for a lifetime. But uh, and I've seen tanks underground for much longer than that. Tanks have been underground 50, 60, 70 years. Wow. Because they're not exposed to the element, I guess, when they're underground, right? So they're. Yeah. So the anode bag are basically magnesium bags you put around the tank. That takes all the electrons that are floating around in underground that would cause the rust and pitting, and it destroys the anode bags. And then every 10, 20 years, you got to replace those anode bags just to make sure that uh, you're staying protected for your metal that's buried underground. I would go for any kind of metal. It's it's like when you put your boat in the water, you put a zinc um, thing, you know, put the zinc things on the engine to protect the propeller and protect any metal on the boat from being attacked by the electrons in the water. It's the same thing underground. Mm -hmm. Is this the largest tank, the one that we're looking at here? Is this the largest tank that you have or you have tanks bigger than this? Uh, this is only a 250-gallon tank. We go okay. up to a standard size tanks the biggest one is 2,000 gallons oh wow so we have some 2,000s those are used mainly in hotels mm -hmm. um, we have thousands that might be used in a very large home or, or in uh, businesses restaurants and then 500 gallon tanks when you start getting into more common sizes mm -hmm. uh, for residential and 250 gallon tank is a pretty common size here in Cayman mm. 
Wow. So in terms of hurricane safety and preparedness, making sure that your tank is properly secured with the proper straps, because otherwise it becomes potentially a projectile uh, during so a storm and you don't want so that happening. This tank here you can see has two blue straps symmetrically either end uh, that are secured into that concrete pad. Uh, and then underneath the tank itself are little stands uh, and you'll see that there are, you would be able to see that there are bolts from the tank that are then bolted into the ground. So it's a multifaceted secured approach. Mm -hmm. Right. And this is obviously also, um, yes. And this is obviously a professional insulation because we see that they're they're doing the piping properly in the ground. So uh, I guess depending on, on how the, the size of the, the actual pipe and what it's running to, um, you might actually trench into the ground. So this uh, this installation is uh, is up in Crystal Harbour. Mm -hmm. uh, it's running, I think, something in the region of about fourteen feet from the tank itself to a generator. Right. Uh, and so, because of the landscaping, it's easy easier to, to dig a trench to run the line on the ground. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, of course, it doesn't detract from the aesthetics of the property. Mm -hmm. hmm. Very good. So this is a proper. This is what you want to see, folks, in terms of securing your tanks, proper straps bolted onto that concrete um, base, as you see there. And then, of course, some piping uh, going into the ground. And then go ahead and show us that next one, John, that you were just pulling up. Um, again, this is this looks like a good professional insulation. Yep, except for the strapping hasn't been done. This was right before the photo was, the photo was pre strapping. Okay. Yeah. So these would be secured with strapping as well. But it shows this shows the shutoff valves. You can see there's blue valve at the bottom and then two blue valves mm -hmm. shut up valves for each tank and then there's also shut up valves on the tank so right in this little space you have five shut up valves mm -hmm. before wow. you even get into the house yep so people can um if their capacity changes so for example um in our personal use case you know we added a, a generator so that means that you know once the generator trips in that's going to be using more um, propane. So we got a bigger size tank, but I see here in this configuration, this person actually went with a two tank setup, which is kind of interesting. So they opted to go with two tanks instead of like a bigger tank. Well, you uh, against your, you can see this is against the wall, which is probably a part of the house mm -hmm. uh, against the property. You can't put a tank larger than 120 gallons, which these tanks are. Um, mm. Although that's against code. Uh, once you get above 120 gallons, you got to move away from the property. So, right. but you can put up to 420 gallon tanks against the property, against the building. Oh, right. Okay. As long as they're all individual tanks. Yes. So this is why, this is why you deal with the experts folks, because they know all the nuances of what you need to do when it comes to the size of your tank installing and all that sort of stuff. So home gas, they've been at it for a really, really long time. Um, look at this insulation, nice and neat professionally done and most importantly, um, safety. The tank is strapped down as well. Yeah, it's in a way from any kind of uh, ignition sources, open windows and everything. So, mm -hmm. the, I mean, when you get a professional to do it, they'll, they'll know all the things that you need to look for and it can be done mm -hmm. fairly quickly and hopefully for a reasonable price. But there's a lot of people on island that know how to do it, but you should gotta pick someone that knows what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Very good. Now, let me ask you a question about your plant. So when you guys, uh, when is the, when is the completion of your upgrades? When is that going to happen? Um, like everything in construction nowadays, there's just 
delays with um getting supplies so right now we've been waiting for literally the company making the new because we uh just so you know we decided uh, when we took the tanks out of the ground that we were going to replace the tanks um unfortunately when they built the original plant uh they used a moral um substance the stasian to fill the to put over the tanks mm -hmm. and that reacted with the paint coating the paint coating had it been matched up with the the material that was used for the fill and it had a, a they counteracted each other and it caused some pitting and rusting on the tanks um we had flew in engineers and they did a lot of measurements most of the tanks were were some mostly okay but we're requiring some derating below 250 psi which is the rating you're you're supposed to use for propane so instead of um doing any kind of changes we decided to just buy all new tanks so we bought 18 uh -huh. new 30,000 gallon tanks there are some rumors going around that we've increased our storage in the plant we uh -huh. haven't changed any storage at all we're going to have 18 30,000 gallon tanks and we had 18 30,000 gallon tanks before this um, we haven't changed our storage at all in the uh -huh. plant um, and these are brand new tanks but the company that's making our tanks ran out of paint and we literally had to send them paint from here to Mexico for them to continue with the process of painting our tanks so they could send them to us. Wow. Because we had, is, is we had purchased all the supplies. Needed? What was that? Is there a special kind of paint that you need for these tanks? Yeah, actually on this tank right here, you can see it's this black sure tar paint is a special paint you put on underground tanks. Um, the stuff for the 30,000 gallon tanks is even thicker. It's a thicker paint, but it's a, it's very thick. It's mm -hmm. you know, like a... To, uh, to, to one of the, the comments from, I think, Jonathan, you, you can actually zoom in here and see the anode bags that, uh, that John had indicated as well. Um, they would be on either side of the tank, and they're, they're designed to increase the longevity of the underground tank by protecting it from uh, the electrons and, uh, and the environment. Uh, and you can see that even with underground tanks, they're also strapped so that there's no issues with uh, rising tides, water table, storm surges, or anything like that at all. Mm -hmm. Wow. So Scott says, um, gas fitter slash gas fitting is a specialized, highly respected, well co compensated profession. The training center, trade schools, whatever it's called, should be offering this training. Gabby says that she's paranoid about gas stoves. Um, I know that it works good for most, but we'll stick to my electric, even grills. We'll stick to charcoal. So again, um, Gabby, you know, isn't feeling confident. And this is something that, um, Gabby, let me tell you something. Even from a cooking perspective, cooking in a gas stove, once you've tried it, you will never go back to an electric stove again. There's just something about the evenness of how it cooks. And, you know, it just is, I think, a, a better um, conduit even for your meals and that sort of thing. But Gabby, one day when you can't afford that gas stove anymore and you see how much money you're wasting, you're going to come on board. So in terms of in terms of safety, um, you know, we're talking about the necessity for people themselves to make sure that they're listening to the professionals and they're doing what they do. But gas stoves are incredibly, you know, gas appliances, propane is extremely safe. Right, guys? Correct. And, uh, you know, when there's a hurricane after the hurricane in the aftermath, you'll mm -hmm. still be cooking on your propane stove. That's you won't right. be cooking on your electric stove. Uh, there's a reason why every commercial kitchen basically on the island uses gas stoves. It's just a better, it's a better source of cooking. Yeah. And of, and of course, um, you know, post Ivan, the only restaurants that could open up immediately were the ones who had 
at gas stoves. So anybody who was, was using electric, they were out of luck. So Lavana says, I love my gas stoves. And of course, she owns a small restaurant. So again, uh, she uses them a lot. I'm sure of that. All right, folks, we're out of time this morning for a show. So we want to thank uh, John and um, Chris for joining us this morning from Home Gas. They've shown us um, some do's and don'ts when it comes to propane safety and insulation. Uh, thank you guys so much. This is your first time. I think you survived it. It wasn't too bad. And uh, we'll have them on again, not to worry. So a couple of things. How can people contact you at Home Gas if they have any additional questions? Uh, you, you carry a little bit of everything. You guys even have appliances and stuff. You have a little bit of a showroom. So people can contact you if they want some more information. How can they do that? Uh, best way to give us a call, 949-7474, uh, 949-7474, or send us an email, uh, info at homegas.net. Uh, and then from there, anyone from John, myself, the custom service ladies, um, mm -hmm. we're able to get back and, uh, and answer any questions, queries, inquiries uh, as best we can. Yep. Lavana says home gas customer service is great. All right, John and Chris, you guys have a fantastic weekend. And you. Thank Thanks you. Very much. All right. So that's it for us today. Another beautiful weekend um, lined up, hopefully. Remember, folks, no drinking and driving. Uh, please take your time on the roadways of the Cayman Islands. Safety always should be our number one concern. So I want you guys to be safe. Enjoy yourselves. Go to the beach, hang out, get a tan, whatever. Put on your sunscreen. Just be as safe as you can. And we will see you guys on Monday morning. Until then, take care. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Cold Hard Truth on Bobo 89.1 FM. Cayman's number one talk show is live weekdays from 7.30 a.m. Never miss an episode again. Watch anytime on CMR's Facebook and YouTube channels for the latest show episodes. Don't forget to follow us online on our social media channels and visit CaymanMarlRoad.com for all the latest news and community happenings. 